0: Three
1: times! Wow. The guy is
0: trying to tackle him, but he's got his back to Barry because
2: he can't find
1: Here's a touchdown by holy what a run by Barry Sanders. Detroit. There will be a 15-yard penalty on the kickoff, but the play is not reviewable.
2: What up, Doe One Pride? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where six random guys from around the British Isles get together to talk about anything. And everything Detroit Lions. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick and I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey. It's Wednesday, which means it is the college football podcast. Ryan, how are we getting on today?
3: Uh, I'm depressed. Bradford lost to Harrogate again. That's four out of four. I, I, I hate sports and they hate
2: me. Oh, don't even start. We lost 2-0 at home to Wrexham last night and our title credentials are just falling through. The- we got so many injured players. Two players had the legs broken in the last week. Two of our best players and it's just, I don't want anything to do with football at the minute. Just in light of things, how is our new uh, mascot there? Your uh, your little doggy. how's he doing?
3: Oh, he's, he's, he's cool, yeah. He's living his dream. I'm going to make him a poor Detroit Lions fan. Like I say, so he has to suffer my pain as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and if anyone knows of any outfits that can uh, get some doggy gear in for a Detroit Lions fan, Ryan would be very interested to hear from you, I know uh, I know he is looking, sorry Hank, but you're going to have to suffer with the rest of us there, but uh, moving on, as I say, this is the College Football Podcast, and we have a little bit of a special show for you today, this is episode 25, we are on the road to the draft and there are only two stops left on that road we have the Indianapolis combine coming up on Monday and then we have the pro day circuit where we will well scouts take to the road all over the country one last chance to see the draft prospects before that comes around and you know there's a lot of information gonna be coming your way soon so what better instead of just two of us today we actually have three of us so as the men at work famously once sang there's an Englishman in New York well today for you we have an american in poland enough this uh, the man is representing the green in the country of red and white he hosts the standing room spartans podcast we are absolutely delighted to introduce to you kevin parker welcome
1: yeah thanks for having me guys i uh, appreciate the invite and uh, i'm always happy to talk really any football, Um, you know, being in Poland, you don't get the chance as much as as I would back home, so uh, good to be on, I appreciate you having me.
2: Yeah, no, no, absolutely, it's uh, it's great that you've come on here, I mean, it's just come at the right time, actually, you're looking... uh trying to focus on some of the conferences in a little bit more detail as we go along. and What better way to have someone who knows his ins and outs, especially here with the Big Ten. So with that in mind, this is the Big Big Ten show. We're going to be focusing today, having a look at the draft class coming out of the uh, Big Ten, heading towards the 2022 NFL draft. And then we're going to have a little look at the future as well as we're going to look at some of the recruiting classes for next year. Just... Before we start, we're just going to go through a little bit of news to start off with. So, um, as I say, the first of the last two stops towards the NFL Draft is coming. This is the NFL Combine takes place in Indianapolis, which starts next Monday. Um was a problem earlier in the week, and uh, it, the event was actually under threat itself because it came out that there were going to be bubble restrictions in place limiting where the participants could go. During the week, and also that they were only allowed a single member of fully vaccinated medical staff to be with them on site. Obviously, some of these players have full medical teams and whatsoever. And nearly 150 of the participants threatened to boycott if this wasn't uh, overturned, as it were. And within a day, the NFL had folded. The bubble restrictions are gone, and everyone is going to be going to the combine as per before. Um, I don't know about you, Ryan, but maybe common sense prevailed on this one, really.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Right? It seems like they're a bit of a spoiled brat, negative attitude going on. They're only doing it for their own good. <clears throat> the way I see it is I understand these strict rules because a lot of countries out there that are still struggling with the pandemic, the amount of vaccinations, a lot of these guys haven't had any jabs some of, uh, won't disclose a vaccination status. So I understand trying to limit contact. I think it was the fact they weren't allowed to leave the facility for the entire week, or they would be disqualified and not allowed to take part in the actual combine drills, which probably upset them. But it's such a huge part of the calendar year, it was never going to come under any threat. So it doesn't surprise me that the NFL took to it, put its leg between its tail, uh, ran away and decided to change their mind and give in. So it was the best at quick decision on short notice. So that doesn't overall surprise me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevin, I mean, we're going to talk about your draft class, obviously coming through the Spartans in a minute. But the combine is coming up; it is a big showcase for some of the players there. Are there any of your guys who are going who could really do with a standout showing at the combine this week or next week? Yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah, for Michigan State, we got three guys this year. So running back Connor, or uh, sorry, running back Kenneth Walker is the biggest, like, high-profile name. He won. Uh, a couple awards, the Dope Walker was the, the running back of the year in college football. He was second in the country in rushing. One of the best like running backs that I've seen at Michigan State. It was he made a lot of NFL guys look silly all year. Uh, really good breaking tackles, making people miss. Um, I think he's got a really good shot to be a second round pick, uh, probably looking day two right now. Uh, if he goes out and crushes the combine, he I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was uh, a late, late first round pick, but he's a running back, so the position value isn't always there. But behind him, Jalen Naylor's a wide receiver who has all the athletic tools. I think he's going to test out of this world. He might run in the four threes. Uh, the problem with him has always been injuries and staying on the field. So he's going to be somebody who tests really well and could sneak into the back half of the draft. And then Connor Hayward is a tight end, H-back, fullback, however you want to classify him. Uh, He's had a really interesting story because he was a running back for a few years and really wasn't a fan favorite because he's not the dynamic athlete that you would like to have at running back. But this coaching staff switched him over to tight end and he really took off. A uh, really good blocker. Uh really good route runner, really soft hands. So not a whole lot of teams kind of employ that h-back kind of role, but for the teams that do, I think Connor Hayward's going to be somebody who could make some noise. He's not going to test that well. He's uh, he's a little stocky, he's a little shorter. Um, he's he's not going to be the combine all-star that a lot of people look for, but you know, a big part of the combine is the interviews and, and getting to meet the teams face-to-face, and I think that'll be really good for them.
2: Oh, definitely. Well, we'll we'll expand on some of that in a bit because I do have some questions about some of these guys who are going there. But, yeah, like I said, for a lot of guys, the combine is going to be very important, and we'll get to see that. That is next Thursday to next Sunday. They'll be doing their actual testing. But we do get the fun part first where we get the measurables. We're looking at Kenny Pickett's hand size. We're looking at how many guys are two or three inches shorter than their school's prescribed because there are a lot of guys every year who uh, who suffer because of bad measurements by the school. But anyhow, we'll move that on. So that's coming up next week and we'll go through that a little bit more. Just the last bit of news I wanted to go through. I was wanting to do a segment on this last week because we've been following this scene for a little while now. But um, the HBCU Legacy Bowl took place on Saturday. Now, if, if you've been listening to us this last month or so, me and Ryan have gone through... Um, The HBCU seeing quite a bit going through their combine, then you had the week, last week leading up to it, you got the All-Star game that happened, um, took place between Team Gaither, Team Robinson, they were named after two former HBCU coaches, I can't remember their full names, do apologise, but ended up in a fairly fun game, although a little bit one-sided out of there. Team Gaither won 22 points to 6, on Team Gaither's side there were a few standout performances, um, the offensive MVP of the game was Jeremy Hickbottom, he's the quarterback from Tennessee State, he went 9 of 15 for 72 yards, rushed 5 times for 25 yards, got himself a rush touchdown, and uh, quarterback Bryce Whip from Chowan University went 15 of 21 for 131 yards, a touchdown, rushed 3 times for 32 yards, and then Joanne Carter from Norfolk State, He got six throws, 50 yards, two for 17 rushes, and a rushing touchdown. It was the quarterbacks who got all the touchdowns this game. In the receiving game, Marquise McLean from Southern. He had a great game, went seven for 84. And then on the defensive side, Deshaun Dixon from North State, creating a lot of ripples in the draft scene now. I've really got my eye on him. He had a good good week at the Senior Bowl, giving some uh, real NFL-caliber tackles, a lot of... uh, trouble in that week, he had four tackles one and a half tackles for loss and a pass break up, on Team Robinson's side, a few disappointing performances on their offence, Akil Glass, the big guy obviously he only went 4 of 15. Ezra Gray, the running back, he coughed up a fumble in there. DeAnderson had catching issues. These were some of their bigger guys, and they really struggled to get anything going. But on the defensive side of the game, Antoine Collier, he got the defensive MVP award. He's from Florida A&M. got nine tackles, a tackle and a half for loss. And his teammate, Derek Merriweather, the linebacker, he got six tackles as well. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to see any of it but it's been quite fun for me watching this HBCU scene these. Last few weeks, So some guys who I think have really given themselves a chance uh, of getting drafted come up because obviously no one did last year. But I think we can see two, three, maybe even four names this season.
3: Yep, there's a few guys out there that did themselves the world a good and managed to catch the highlights. I think uh, got uh, Dixon. Let's say the Norfolk State defensive end. He had the great week at the great week at the senior ball and flew straight out for the game. Went up against the likes of uh, and some of the best offensive tackles that were on offer there. Uh, was really good in the drills, turning around the corner, showing that good bend when he's able to get around the edge and put down to spur this game. That says one and a half tackles for loss. Did good job getting in the backfield, good in run support as well. Managed to bottle up that offence. Uh, Ezra really couldn't get much going on that day there. Marquise McLean, standout receiver of the week easily. He would test very well, I imagine. In the actual drills, let's say, he did really well. He's got that nice, slender six-two-two-ten frame that's got some ability to put some muscle on it. Tracks the ball nicely. He's a good deep threat, but he's got that uh, good physical strength as well, so he's able to uh, beat out the guys when he doesn't get the most separation. So he's someone that I think has probably got a flyer in the late rounds at the next level. Akil Glass. Uh, he had a bad day. Like I say, he decided to... Uh, skip some of the test nights there, like just come straight to the game. But 4 of 15, he was put on an immense world of pressure by that defence. Offensive line didn't give him too much help on the day, but the accuracy was an issue. There was passes there and completions to be made, but unfortunately he wasn't able to get the timing. Everything looked a bit off, so it's not the great week for him to end on. I feel like he didn't do himself much justice in the game, but going back, watching his actual film, I think there's still maybe a chance of him sneaking in or at least going as an undrafted free agent. So there's a lot of big names there. Uh, I mention the safety. That's, uh, is, it, uh, is, he from, is it Florida A&M? Uh,
2: yeah, Antoine Collier.
3: Yep, I know there's two Florida a and names. I believe as well, Marquis Bell. He wasn't at the HBCU, but he's another Florida A&M safety. So they've got two studs that could both well get drafted. So good pair of defensive backs there coming out one of the smallest schools. So... I'd say I agree. I'd say you've got two or three guys here that have got maybe a chance of sneaking into maybe the sixth round, which would be pretty good for this because they don't get enough attention and they don't have a habit of getting many guys picked in the draft.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, hopefully it's something that really garners steam going forward. But as you say, there are really some guys here who are going to get themselves noticed. Akil Glass, yes, he didn't have the best game, but he aced it in practice all week. He did well in the NFLPA All-Star game as well a few weeks back. So I think his stock has still remained pretty steady despite the performance on Saturday. And obviously he's got a pro day as well to be able to put himself on there, but Deshaun Dixon's a really one that's standing out. The edge from Norfolk State, I'm going to do some tape review on him in a few weeks because I'm really, really intrigued now. There's just so much defensive end talent in this draft, all the way down to potentially the day threes undrafted free agency. It is silly. And obviously, Marquise McLean, he had a wonderful day. He's one of those receivers who, when we first started looking at, the name was there, possibility of something good happening and he had a really good game, he had some incredible catches actually really fun to watch him so he's done his stock no end of good and hopefully like I say some of these names are names that we're going to be hearing called soon. Kevin I don't suppose if you, if, you, if you watch the HBC you've seen much at all or is that something you a chance to get around
1: to? Not a whole lot, not as much as I would like to. It is pretty cool to see if, if you guys follow like the recruiting scene at all that they are starting to pull in some really good high school players, especially Dion Sanders down at Jackson state. So, um, it's something that's picked up a, b- a bit of steam in, in college basketball. They've gotten quite a few big names down there as well. So, uh, it's really cool to see these like really historic programs, uh, that, like you said, recently, haven't gotten that kind of shine. Uh, I would love to see them kind of burst back onto the scene.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ashley was one of our biggest followers on here. He's a Florida State fan and you should have seen the look on his face when Deion Jackson flipped Travis Hunter a few weeks back. He's like, No, no, it's not gonna happen and it did and God, I, I I still feel sorry for him to this day. Florida State have had a rotten year and then he has to watch their top prospect walk away. There was, uh, there was like a
1: Twitter spaces with Florida State fans. It was like 10,000 people in there just melting down. It was it was fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely not a time to be a Florida State fan there. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it for the H-C-B- HBCUC. Now we'll see what they do in the combine, and then we'll see what names are called in the draft. But we'll mention a few of the names a bit further as we go forward, You know, just to remind you before the draft occurs. So now we're going to move on to the The main sections of the evening, we're going to take a big look at the 2022 NFL Draft prospects coming out of the Big Ten. But first, and I forgot to do this at the start because I've been that busy trying to make sure our technicals stay there. Obviously, I've mentioned Kevin (coughs) is from the Standing Room Spartans podcast. He does it every week. He's just done two really great shows on the recruitment classes for Michigan State for next year. I know far much more about them now after listening to those two episodes and I did before. Kevin, do you just want to tell us a little bit about your podcast before we crack on with this, just how it came about, you know, just go for it. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah. So Michigan state for me, it's, it's basically a second home. Uh, My parents went there. My brother went there. I went there. And when you leave these states for, for Europe, you know, everybody always asks you, you know, oh, what do you miss from home? And, of course, it's the people and my family and my friends. But I guess culturally the biggest thing is sports because it's it's a much different scene out here. You're dealing with the time change, and I'm a huge basketball fan, but I just can't watch basketball now because it's on at 2 a.m. And uh, football is one thing that still kind of ties me back to home. So I actually started the podcast uh, – there's been a couple iterations of it, but previously I was with a network. It didn't really work (laughs) out. Uh, But from the standing room Spartans, it's been a a little over two years now. And uh, yeah, it's me and my buddy, Scott. We both went to school together. We both, uh, we lived together at Michigan state. Uh, We had season tickets together and uh, we just talked Michigan state football all year long. And uh, it's, it's really cool to get the opportunity living in Europe to still have that connection to to the fans back home, because you know you 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 kind of get into this thought bubble with all of your friends that you talk about Michigan State football so much that you all kind of have the same thoughts and the same opinions, and it's it's pretty cool to have this platform to be able to talk to people who, um, you know, you're fans of the same team, but you have very different methods of getting there and, and what you think is best for the program and everything. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's grown and grown and grown. It's, it's totally independent, which is a lot of fun. And, uh, and yeah, we're, we're just rolling Michigan state football all year long. So for any listeners who, uh, you know, I know you guys are NFL fans. If you want to dip your toe into the college game uh, maybe I can recruit you to uh, to the Michigan state side of things, but if not, uh you know, I'm always happy to talk any football at any level for, for any amount of time, so happy to be on.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I say, again, thanks for coming on. It's it's great to just finally have a guest on here as well, because it has just been me and Ryan before, and uh, yeah, it's good that people listen in and do enjoy it. We, we've got sort of a split here. We do have a few Spartans. We have a few Wolverines, of course, so people may jump in during the night and say, things, nice or not so nice, but, you know, that's all a little part of football there. And Some people make mistakes in their lives, you know, We can't fault them for that. Exactly, exactly, you know, they become Bears fans or Vikings fans or something like that, you know, we, 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 we can't, you know, hold it against them for taking that road, but hey-ho, and yeah, thanks to everyone who is joining us, obviously, everybody on Twitch and YouTube. If you want to drop any questions in the chat, please do so as we go along, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll look at those as we go along and, you know, any playful Michigan bantering, if you want to do, you know, go for it, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll deal with it as we go. But like I say, we're going to move on. So we're going to look through the draft classes of all the teams in the Big Ten, take a look at the main players in there and uh, have a look, see what they bring to this draft. So obviously we have a Spartans podcaster on with us, so I'm going to do the rest alphabetically, but we're going to start with Michigan State first. And obviously 2020, or 2021 represented the first time in about 80 years that state didn't have a player drafted wasn't the best year maybe for them but that's that's going to that's not going to extend into a second year you've mentioned your three big guys in there already so obviously Kenneth Walker the third you know wake forest transfer 1700 yards from scrimmage 19 touchdowns he's had an absolute killer year here i mean you did talk a little bit about where you reckon his ceiling is and that but I mean what 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 does he bring to this to this draft? What does he bring to the team who was gonna draft him and are there any ideas that you reckon where he might go, teams who might be interested in him with his skill set?
1: Yeah, um there's been a lot tossed around. I mean, the thing with Kenneth Walker is the knock on him so far has been that he's not a pass catching guy. So he's uh he's a first and second down running back. Now, the one thing I'll push back on it a little bit, because it's just not something he was ever really asked to do. So is it that he's not good at it, or is it that he's just never had the opportunity to really do it at a high level? Um, I think he's perfectly comfortable from watching him catching the ball just physically extending his hands he has decent hands now you know is he a christian mccaffrey route runner or something probably not but um you know there's a lot of teams out there who could use a guy like him i think the first team that really comes to mind is the miami dolphins um, a team that could really use that first and second down running back but you know, he's, he's a guy that you just get the ball into his hands and, and let him do special stuff. I, he led the country in like every single um, analytical category of breaking tackles and yards after contact. He had more yards after contact than, you know, 90% of college football running backs had yards. So um, he's a pretty special player. Like I said, I mean, the, the one season that we had of him every week he, he had two or three plays that just your jaw was on the floor wondering how in the world he just did that. So yeah. um, like I said, I, th- I think he's a day two kid um, right now, but it, it depends on a team that's, that's going to take a chance on, because again, you know, running back is just not a really highly valued position right now. So that's really the only thing holding him back from from being a first round, early second round type of guy.
2: Do you reckon, Ryan, do you reckon you've got the same sort of grading on him there as well?
3: Yeah, from what I've seen, he's a he's, a, he's got home-run potential. But as you say, he's a north and south kind of one-cut guy. Like, So he doesn't show that flash of being able to... He doesn't ask, as you say, get to catch the ball at the backfields. He doesn't take those swing passes. He doesn't get those screen balls where I think he'd be very effective if he got the ball in his hands more and gave him a bit of space on the outside. But trying to get hold of him... He's a bruiser. He like doesn't look like it. Like, He may be like 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, but he's got that good, strong physical frame. He's got big, chunky thighs. He's very hard to bring down. If you don't wrap him up or if you go through high, he will just shake you off. At the next level, I expect to the same thing. He will still be difficult to break down. He's someone that doesn't go looking for contact, but he's not scared of initiating it. He's able to go through a person, if needs be, and test their tackling ability. I think he's going to be someone that'll say that'll be great on first and second down, try to get those chunk players, and then if you've got to rotate and give him a break. But there's the potential there to be one day in every, every down back at the next level. Like I said, there was said, there's teams out there that have a need for a primary down back that will do the damage or get first down on the, uh, the first second downs and then alternate him or take him out in obvious passing situations. But... The, uh, the combine, like the gauntlet drills, where you see the balls coming from either side, that's where we'll be looking at him, how his hands are going when he's looking at either side, changing direction. So he's got the basics down, he's got everything you want from an NFL back. Just needs to show that variation now. But I agree, he's got the potential to be a very high second round pick. Second, third round, I think he'll be... But one of the second or third backs off the board, he's up there and one of the best of this class. I think he's got a lot of potential after such a great year. He should have got a lot more consideration for uh even just making the Heisman finals. Should have got more votes.
2: Oh, yeah, we we were both on the train that he should have got it. And, you know, it was absolutely a shame that he didn't there. But, I mean, just, just to quickly finish off on, Kevin, I mean, how big a loss is he going to be for the Spartans going forward? I mean, I guess you have... You have players who leave a big hole there, but this must be the first guy in a while who's left a really massive hole like he's going to.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing is for Michigan State fans right now is it's the offense has been really bad for five or six years now until last season. And it's, it's that question mark in the back of your head of, well, the offense was great last year, but was it Kenneth Walker? And, uh, you know... I I, we've got a couple of transfer running backs coming in who are are pretty good players, but we haven't seen a kid like this in, in a long, long time. There was Lorenzo white back in the eighties. It's like the only person that people can really compare him to. Um, The one thing is like, he was only there for one year. So it's that like flash in the pan. Um, Yeah, we're definitely going to miss him. And uh, hopefully the passing game can kind of step up a little bit more next year to make up for it but the running game is is definitely going to be hurt without him
2: yeah definitely oh, I mean it was a, an absolute pleasure to watch him this year there was absolutely no doubt uh, just shout out some of the people uh, Ken stout is in the chat there thanks for joining us Ken John stones just joined in what up UK love the content well what up, John? We love you listening to our content. That is what makes it worth it. And we've just actually had our best week for listens ever by about some margin. We've had over 800 listens on the podcast this week. Our next, our previous best was 550. So, again, to everyone who's listening, just thanks ever so much. We love you all to bits. Uh, moving on. So, obviously, you said the offense has been a lot better this year. There's a second guy from your offense who's going in this draft. Maybe not as high as Kenneth Walker, but speedy Naylor, the wide receiver in the last two seasons, he's racked up 1,200 uh, receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. seen a lot of especially Lions fans drafting this guy in their mocks quite late on there, maybe looking for a speed option. what's what's he bring into this draft um, that uh, teams are going to like?
1: Yeah, he's a deep threat. Um, he's He's really rounded out his game pretty well over the last couple of years. But at the end of the day, his bread and butter is always going to be, you know, getting behind the defense. There was a, you know, if anybody isn't familiar with him, uh, just go back and and look for his highlights in this past season against Rutgers. He had, I want to say, like 200 yards and three touchdowns at halftime. And every single one of them was just quarterback looks up. He's beat his guy deep, launch it downfield. Um, and and just runs past everybody. Uh, His nickname is Speedy for a reason. Um, But like I said, I mean, the the real knock on on him is going to be injuries and, you know, it's it's two parts, right? Number one is you have that red flag on you now that he hasn't finished an entire season healthy uh, in his whole career. Uh, He hasn't played more than 10 games in a season. So you have that kind of red flag on you. And the second part is, he just wasn't able to stay on the field and, and kind of prove that progress that he's making that, you know, he he's shown flashes that he can be more than just a deep threat, but he just hasn't been on the field quite enough to, to really show that more consistently. So I think he's going to get drafted because like I said, (laughs) I think he's going to go to the combine and run like a four, four flat. He'll jump 37 inches and, and somebody will fall in love with the athleticism. Um, and if he can stay healthy, I think he can be a pretty dynamic playmaker for somebody. He's a good returner as well. So, um, for teams who are still looking to, to keep that guy on the roster, even though the NFL has kind of diminished the return game with some of the rule changes, um, you know, he's really good in that part of the game too. So, you know he's he's that deep threat. You would love to have him on the roster as your third or fourth receiver that can uh, that can get behind a defense, even you know going up against NFL corners. I don't think he's going to have a problem with speed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And they say he formed a very formidable partnership with uh Jalen Reed there as well. I mean, Ryan, you any thoughts really on there on Naylor? I mean, I know a lot of Lions fans have been drafting him late on in the mocks. Is he someone you'd take a go on, or is it maybe not not the type we need this year?
3: Uh, it depends, I'm only taking him low That's for the perks of the upside Because we need a kick and a punt returner I think where he will Elevate his game at the next level Could very well be special teams It's going to be dangerous For me when I watch him, great athlete A bit one dimensional He's a bit like Deshaun Jackson Like He wants to take the roof off the defence Every single player And he's not always going to be able to do that when he gets against the elite corners that want to press him line of scrimmage, where he doesn't have the ability to get that run up and use the speed, that's where I want to see how good he is using his strength. If he's able to win that battle line of scrimmage, but if he gets in behind you, usually he's pretty much good night Vienna. Like to say, he's able to burn past. He tracks the ball so well through the air. Like he just knows the point where it's dropping down in the bread basket, and he's taking it to the house. Injuries, those always a red flag. Like I said, the, the, the ability to only play 78% of every year and just have those odd niggles that stop him from finishing a season, those will be looked at. But for anyone that's needing speed and they're needing a potential uh, home run deep threat guy that's able to work on his skill tree, work on the short intermediate routes, I think fifth or sixth round, you may as well get yourself a, a bargain here if he's going to be able to... Uh, give you good field position on a consistent basis as well, kick returner, punt returner I think this is the kind of guy you look for like say a bit of a uh, let's say you got that uh, I don't want to say Jamal Agnew, like you say he's got that kind of asset skill set to him but maybe a bit more polished as a receiver so there's a lot there to work with if he can just bulk up a little bit a bit stronger, if he's able to just look after his body as well, I think he's someone that the Lions could see in there on the day three
2: Yeah, I agree, I think Definitely day three prospect on him and want to keep an eye out on that last day of the draft. There Now, th- the final of the big three from Michigan State we're going, and, and this is the one that's causing a lot of chatter, especially between us on the Lions podcast. I mean, obviously this is fullback Connor Hayward or fullback back H-back tight end, whatever the hell you want to call him. Obviously, brother of Cameron Hayward who plays for the Steelers. I mean, Kevin, you can answer a lot of questions for us here, but the two questions I have is one what well what is he <laughs> i mean we've had we've seen him at the senior bowl he was used in a few bits there we got a good fourth fourth down conversion for us. but i mean what primarily getting because when he first came to michigan state he was a running back i may mainly believe when i was looking at his stats but he seems to have become more of a receiver in recent years but yeah what is he <laughs>
1: We've been trying to figure that out for four years now. So, um, no, he he's had the, the most interesting character arc because, you know, fans were really frustrated with him as a running back because he wasn't dynamic enough to, to really get through a hole to make somebody miss. And it was just two or three yards in a cloud of dust. And then this last year, he became like the fan favorite. He had a couple like highlight plays where, He would catch a ball out on the edge and then just run over a cornerback. And uh, I think his best role is exactly what he played this last year. It's that moving tight end. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him in line. You're not really going to put him out in the slot. Um, You know, he's not that kind of athlete that he's going to match up against a safety and beat him one-on-one. But If he's out running a route against a linebacker, I think he's got a pretty good shot. And then he's a really good blocker as well. So I think there are going to be, there's 32 NFL teams. There are probably going to be 10 that absolutely fall in love with him. There are going to be another 10 that want nothing to do with him because he's not, he doesn't fit the athletic parameters that a lot of teams look for. And then there's going to be another 10 to 12 that are in the same boat that we're talking about right now, just wondering what the hell he is and just saying, like, I don't know if he's there in free agency. Maybe we'll take a shot on him. But, you know, we, we just don't know what to do with him. So I, it's going to be a mixed bag because even Michigan State fans, we we don't really know at this point after four years what exactly he is or what his ceiling is.
2: Oh, damn. I'm kind of hoping to get some clarification. on that. But, I mean, <laughs> the reason I ask is because we've just – Obviously, the Lions have just re-signed their own fullback, Jason Kambidner in. We've been utilising yeah. him as a tight end this year. He's been playing on the end of the line. He plays at fullback. I mean, the he's even got a receiving touchdown this year. He's done that. He's ran the ball. And me and Matt, obviously, our main host, were having a disagreement on this the other day. I said now that we've re-signed him, there's no way we're looking at Connor Hayward because, obviously, the full-back role is a lot of teams will only carry one, and that's a stretch. Yeah. But does he have... If his- they even carry one now, yeah. Exactly. And he reckons that he's got the skill set to be able to... So we can carry two of them. But do you see him being able to hold down like a, a tight end three spot or a, a wide receiver spot or a running back spot, which is different from the fullback to justify taking him as well? Or do <coughs> you see your traditional Swiss Army fullback? Pro-
1: Probably not. The, the one thing I will say for the Lions is Dan Campbell is going to love this guy. Like if you, if you put, and and he was at the senior bowl, so I'm sure they met, you know, in person quite a few times, uh, and, and had like face-to-face one-on-one conversations. And I have a feeling that it's going to get to the sixth and seventh round. And Dan Campbell's just going to be sitting there, like his legs going to be shaking. And he's going to say, I know we don't need this guy. And I know we have this position filled, but I want him so bad. Um, realistically for the lions like you said i i think that role is kind of already filled uh, because i i really don't think he is a traditional enough tight end that you could justify rostering him as a pure tight end uh because like i said you know he he's not a guy you can really put out in the slot as a receiver um he's gonna run good routes from inline Um, And he's a good blocker, but he's not, you know, um, what's the guy I'm looking for, Um, uh, Fells or something that's like 6'7", 280, and just a road grader, right? He's not that big, so he's not that elite of a blocker. Um, So I I really think he has to fill that kind of H-back role. And if if it's a spot that's already filled on the roster, it's going to be tough to justify um, adding another guy in that mold.
2: Yeah, um, just quickly on the chat, John Robinson says, greetings, greetings to you, good sir, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, Ryan, what do you make of Connor Haywood? So Matt, that's two of us who don't think we're going to sign him now, so you're in a minority, <laughs> but Ryan, what what are your thoughts on him? Is he someone we could do with, or has Cabinda's signing now, sort of, for you, torpedoed the prospect of getting him?
3: Uh, I don't think he's going to get drafted at all. So, I, unless he tests out freakishly well, I don't see he anyone won. able to. <laughs> won. I don't think he will do. He seems like a jack of all trades, master of none. And when I watch him, I remember Dalton Keane, the HVAC at Virginia Tech that the Patriots drafted a year or two ago. He seems very similar, and they've not managed to get him on the field very much that I've seen, which is my worry for him. As you say, He's not as strong enough as a runner to take snaps at a running back. He's not agile enough to go up against a high-bed linebacker safety in a slot. But he's a solid enough blocker to be a fullback or be a, a tight end on the end of the line that releases out. I think as an undrafted free agent, Dan Campbell will go like that. He'll bring him in mm-hmm. instantly and give him a chance and work him out. Like I say Because we've got... He could learn off Kabinda a lot. Like So they are very similar. I think... The hard work, I think the uh, he's a, he's got a good story as well. He's worked hard. I think you will like that about him. But as an actual seventh-round pick, I don't think I'd go anywhere near him. I don't know if anyone will because he doesn't offer enough of anything in particular. But I like the kid. I think maybe one day you can find a niche role for him. But he's not a Kyle Juszczyk. He's not a Pat Ricard. He's not one of those full-backs that you can keep on the field and give him thirty five percent of snaps a game. Because there's just not enough for him to do. So, can't really warrant a pick on him, unfortunately. But it's going to be fun to watch him, see how teams try to use him.
2: Mm, So, so I think the end message there is the room's completely and utterly split on him. As to whether he's going to get drafted, whether he's not, etc. But they say he he is intriguing and Dan Campbell did speak very highly of him. So, I say he does completely fit the mould and I wouldn't put it past him to try and uh, to try and take him there. Um, joining the chat, reckons he says, tight end in fourth or fifth in the draft. Yeah, a lot of good tight end, like, middle-round guys. we we going to talk about some coming out of the Big Ten, actually, so I can completely see that happening, but it's not going to be Connor Hayward there, I don't think. Um, in terms of any other prospects who are coming out in the draft, there's a few names I've got here, and I'm sorry if I butcher any of these, Kevin, but in terms of guys who could go in there... I've got a list here. So, obviously, you've got the offensive lineman. You've got Kevin Jarvis, Matt Allen, A.J.R. Curie, Blake Buter. Defensive ends, you've got uh, Jakob Panushuk, uh, Drew Beasley and Drew Jordan. Quarterback Anthony Russo, obviously got knocked off his perch early this season. Linebacker Noah Harvey and kicker Matt Coughlin, I think it is there. I'm Coughlin, yeah. Coughlin. I'm sorry if I butchered <coughs> any of those names. But is there <laughs> anyone out of that group who you could maybe see surprising maybe getting themselves drafted or ending up on a practice squad or any of them talented enough to get there
1: two guys that i won't get drafted but i think could uh could surprise somebody as an undrafted free agent and, and somebody could fall in love with him uh kevin jarvis offensive lineman it's another guy that he he's had the talent Um, you know, if, if you would have asked me after his first or second year at Michigan state, I would say he could be a day three NFL pick, um, has dealt with some injuries has dealt with just, he's had to switch positions a lot is the problem with him. Um, he is, he's a natural guard and we've had to move him out to tackle out of necessity just with injuries. And uh, I think if if he can play guard, he's a good enough run blocker that he could get a roster spot somewhere. Uh, that's Kevin Jarvis, and then defensive end Jacob Panishuk, He is uh, he's limited athletically, but he's a really smart player. He's a really tough player. He's a really physical player. And he's a really technically sound player. Uh, he's been starting at Michigan State for three full seasons and uh, and was a pretty heavy rotational guy as a freshman, too. So really experienced, really technically sound. He'll get a shot as an undrafted free agent somewhere. Um, it's just a matter of if he can stick on, uh, on there. But, yeah, limited athletically, but that's the other guy on defense that I think has a shot. Uh, the other guy's... Love him to death. Uh, Noah Harvey is nowhere near athletic enough to be an NFL linebacker. Uh, Matt Coughlin was a good kicker, but doesn't have the range. Uh, and then the offensive line in general at Michigan State has, a, has been a mess. So, you know, in general, picking a Michigan State offensive lineman is probably not going to be your best bet. But uh, like I said, Kevin Jarvis has the individual talent to do it if he can kind of find a position and um, – but yeah, it's it's a bunch of guys who are, are pretty limited, and I, I would be surprised, and I think most Michigan State fans would be too, if any of those guys stuck around in the NFL.
2: If you've got any names to add out of that one, Ryan, or, or do you agree with the, the resident expert there as well?
3: No, I agree. I remember Anthony Russo. I think he was the uh, Temple quarterback for a few years, yeah. and yeah. he was really for a few years, he was really good and I expected him to compete for the starting job when he transferred to Michigan State. I like, that was a good gig, but it's just not sufficed. Like say, so he didn't live up to expectations.
1: Most people, were, the field. most people, when he transferred in, thought he was going to start. And then uh, Peyton Thorne took the job from week one and, and played well enough to just hold him off. So um, I, I hope Anthony Rousseau does well. Uh, he he kind of got... It, like the transfer portal has been a big thing when you talk about college football and Anthony Rousseau is kind of one of the test subjects of be careful what you wish for, uh, because you might transfer out to a school that you think, oh, I could definitely start here and, and build my resume. And it turns out you just, uh, you know, used a year as a backup quarterback. So um, I hope he, he finds himself in the CFL or something, but it's, it's going to be tough to find a roster when you were just a backup quarterback for a year
2: good that Peyton Thorne stepped up though isn't it I guess that was was yeah. that a thing you were expecting as well or is that maybe taking you a little bit by surprise there as well
1: yeah me and Scott on the podcast we we were big Peyton Thorne supporters uh because he he had started the final game of 2020 and that was his only start of the year against Penn State and, and he looked awesome uh, he was a little bit up and down but his highs were really high and uh you know, So we were hoping he would get the job, but mostly as Michigan State fans, it was just because he has a lot of eligibility left, and Anthony Rousseau would just be a one-year guy, and uh, and then we'd have to look somewhere else too. So uh, as a Michigan State fan, it was for the best that Peyton Thorne took the job, but we, we do feel for Anthony Rousseau. It's a tough situation to transfer in and then be the backup for the whole year and just have to kind of cheer on the team and know that your NFL hopes just kind of took a big you know, dive bomb, but uh, hopefully he can find a career in football because he's he's got a he's got a pretty live arm. Uh, but the NFL is probably not going to be calling his name.
2: No, same. Um, before we finish on this, is there anything else in regards to Michigan State and the draft that you, that you want to get off your chest while we're here? So we'll talk about the new recruitment class later on.
1: Yeah, not this year. There was a couple guys who decided to come back. Uh, Jaden Reed, you mentioned, a wide receiver, is definitely a name to keep an eye out for next year. He's a really dynamic playmaker uh, at wide receiver. And then Xavier Henderson was a safety that we thought was going to come out. He decided to come back as well. Um, Just kind of keep an eye out for that name next year. He's not going to be a first or second round pick, but he's really experienced. He's really uh, been a talented player for us. But yeah, Jaden Reed was the guy. We were really shocked to see him come back. Um, So next draft cycle, when we're we're on here again, we'll be talking about Jaden Reed as a potential kind of second or third round pick at wide receiver.
2: Okay. Right. Well, uh, let's uh, now that we've had a little deep dive into the Michigan State side of the draft here. Let's take a look at some of your fellow teams in the Big Ten as we go along. So say, so we, we're just going to do it alphabetically and go down through. Don't worry. We'll we'll get to the enemy soon enough, and you can uh, you can have your <laughs> way with their draft prospects there. But uh, starting it off with Illinois. I mean, there's there's a there's a very wide variety. Of, some teams have almost nobody. <laughs> some have some. I think this uh, these ones fall into the. Uh, the former category, but Illinois, the Fighting Illini, or Illini. Is it Fighting Illini? Eli- it? Illini. Illini. yeah. Illini. The Illini. I love the name. I can just never pronounce the damn thing right. But yeah, <laughs> the Illinois Fighting Illini. So I looked through... Sort of the prospects there today, and they've only really got one prospect in there. So they've got the safety Kirby Joseph. I had him ranked as the like the 84th best prospect coming out of the the Big Ten. So you know he's had a decent year in 2021. He's had 12 games. He's got 57 tackles, a tackle for loss, a sack, five interceptions, a couple of passes defended, a couple of fumble recoveries there. Outside of that, uh, you've got the inside linebacker Jay Canson, Edge Owen Carney Jr. Um, center Doug Kramer, the quarterback Brandon Peters and the tight end Daniel Barker but they were all ranked well down in the, the 300s, the 350s, the undraftable category there. Um, I don't know if you played Illinois this year but have you seen much of Kirby Joseph on there? What, are th- what team's going to get with him going into the draft?
1: Cur- yeah Kirby Joseph is uh, he's a potential you know like a lot of teams are looking for that safety that can play over the top um, and, and he's got pretty good range back there. I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody mock him in the early second round. That one kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, so some he's got some fans out there for sure. Uh, but, it, you know, he's, he's I know pro football focus, focus was pretty high on him as well. But um, I do really quick, uh, Jake Hansen, the linebacker, he's going to get a practice squad invite. Uh, he's he's gonna get on a practice squad. He might make an NFL roster. He's just that like if he played in 2005, he would be a third round draft pick. But unfortunately, he's playing in 2022. The athleticism is a little bit capped, but he's a really really sound fundamental linebacker. That um, you know if somebody's looking for that four three middle linebacker thumper. He could make a roster somewhere, but uh, probably won't be drafted. But just a name to, to keep an eye on. Um, as Lions fans, I know we're looking for anybody and anybody who can help us at linebacker. So um, I don't think he's he's an answer by any stretch, but he'll get on a roster somewhere. I I could see a shot.
2: If we don't draft a linebacker early, we, we're going to have issues. We, we we so desperately need one. Um, Ryan, Kirby yeah. Joseph. Um do you agree with that? Maybe a second round pick. I've got him as a third round here. But, I mean, could he go higher? Or what do you reckon?
3: Yeah, I've seen some of his play, yeah. <clears throat> I agree that he could play that. He don't fit the Lions because he's he might be that single kind of free safety general that wants to play over the top. We like to play those two free safety schemes. So, I don't think we'll put him on the field on an island like he likes to play on. But when he's put under pressure, or when he's covering the field side to side... He's got really good hips, he's able to change direction quickly, he's able to pick his target, diagnose a play quickly, and try to come over the top, or at least undercut it. So he's someone I've seen that is able to help cornerbacks when needed, hence the interceptions, he tracks the ball well, he's got good hand eye coordination, so he's able to uh, diagnose a route just as well as a receiver is. You wouldn't put him in the box, like say so he's not uh, he's not strong when he comes up to help support in the run. But as a guy that you'd leave on the back end, someone that's able to take the ball away, I'd say he's got late day two, early day three potential at the next level, for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, in regards to the others, they say there may be some outside practice squad ones, but not a lot coming out of Illinois there this year. Uh, moving on to Indiana, the Hoosiers. Now, you do have a few more prospects coming out, and there's potentially on the offensive side of the ball. Now, Ryan, I know you've Specifically kept an eye on one of their wide receivers. Obviously, that's Ty Fogle. He's ended up playing 45 games for them, been there a while. He's got 158 receptions, 2,231 receiving yards. He's got 14 touchdowns, although he only did get one this year. Not big contributor on special teams either when it comes to return. But I mean, what you made of his season? what 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 are his draft prospects looking like coming out there?
3: Well, this season, they were terrible. Everyone thought Michael Penix Jr. was the next coming of uh, Tutankhamun, but everyone knew he's massively overrated, so Indiana. But him, and I know last year he had Philia to go with him. They were a good duo. I'd put him primarily out in the slot and work him outwards. He's got a good crisp root tree. Works maybe in that short intermediate range, as you mentioned. He's got... He ain't got that many touchdowns to say he's played that many career games, so he does a lot of his work across the middle of the field. He's got strong hands. He's able to get separation. He's able to uh, turn up field and look for the first down marker. Lacks the top end speed, so he won't test incredibly well. He's not. He's not a burner. He's got average build. He has had the odd knock. Like I so say, he has been in college a few years because he has picked up the odd injury, but. He's going to be that kind of receiver three four on an offense. I don't think we'll take much look at him because we've got quite stacked middle ground in there. But he, he's a guy that you could see on a day three. Like I, say, I think he'll get by those late rounds. But no, he's a he's pretty savvy. Like I say he's a, able to get an odd yard after count as well. So he's someone that's he's not bad. Like I say he's not been on the best offense. I'd like to see him in a better offense with a better quarterback. What he could have done, but. He's doing well with what he's had to work
2: with, I'd say. Yeah, and he's probably one who's going to benefit from a, from a good combine and pro day experience there. And a couple of the other guys in Indiana have got who you might have heard of. We mentioned this one. So Peyton Hendershot, the tight end. He made the PFF All-Big Ten team surrounded by a lot of Ohio State wide receivers and Michigan linemen. He managed to get his way in there. He had 543 yards, four touchdowns on the season. He's got 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns altogether. So you know, really a good receiving threat from there, although I know he's had a few legal issues as well, which may put teams off him a little bit. And then you've got the linebacker, Micah McFadden, who's in there as well. I've seen him towards day three of the draft. But he's had forty two games, two hundred and sixteen tackles, thirty six tackles for a loss, fourteen sacks, four interceptions, four passes defended, a couple of force fumbles and a fumble recovery. Now, you know I need to do this as we're going along Kevin, but obviously you've played some of these teams this year. I've had a look at some of the players and how they did against you. Obviously you beat the Hoosiers just <coughs> the but Micka McFadden, he got a couple of sacks in on Peyton Thorne. He had a good game against you. What, what do you make of some of these guys who are coming out for Indiana? So you've had McF- a to look at them up and close.
1: McFadden's a ball player man. That that That's a really fun football player to watch. He's all over the field. He has been for a few years now. Uh, that's a linebacker that just he he fits really well into the modern game, and uh, yeah, I think I think some team is going to really love what they get with McFadden. Uh, plays behind the line of scrimmage really well, shoots gaps, good blitzer. Uh, Fry just go back and watch if you're looking for like his ceiling. Go back and watch 2020 against Ohio State. He was torching them that whole game. Um, I, I don't know if the athletic ceiling is quite there, like Ryan mentioned there, but. Uh, pretty savvy player. I think he'll he'll find a, a roster spot somewhere. Um, Hendershot as well. It, it's it's a pretty talented group from Indiana. And just in general, for people looking at stats or film on Indiana from 2021, that that place was just a total shit show. Excuse my my language, but that's the only way to explain it. There were guys like fighting on the sidelines. Half of their team is transferred out. It, it was just a nightmare season for everybody. So don't hold it too much against any of the players uh, from this season.
2: No, I definitely agree with you. And I, like you said, there are a few good prospects to keep it out from. You're going to get some good value from some of these guys um, if they go late enough in the draft. Outside of that, um, there's the defensive lineman, Ryder Anderson, and the running back, Stephen Carr, but they're both well-down projections. So you may see them on a practice squad. Now, moving on, and to a team that... Really disappointed. Well, they were really good, and then they disappointed. We got the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, They may have had an inconsistent season to end it all, and may have got absolutely blown out by the Wolverines (laughs) in the uh, championship game, but they've got some really good prospects coming up to the draft this year, especially on defense. But the one guy you've got to talk about to start with... And the guy who absolutely zero defensive tackles in the Big Ten are going to miss going to the draft. They'll be waving him bye-bye, sending him off with a party and everything. That's obviously the center, Tyler Linderbaum. He was a defensive tackle when he first went there, played his freshman year there. Then he turned to center and just decided that he was going to destroy anybody and everybody who lined up in front of him. I mean, this is a guy who's been drafted... I've seen him get drafted as high as five or six. There really is genuine excitement about him there. I mean, what, what, just how high is his ceiling, Kevin? I mean, he's, he could potentially be a hell of a player this year. Cause, I mean, some really good safeties went last year, uh, like Creed Humphrey, etc. And they've done really well in the NFL. But this guy, he's got an absolute ton of buzz about him.
1: Yeah, he's is unbelievable. Uh, the... The thing with him is he's got that wrestling background that everybody looks for. So he really, really understands leverage and and how to get under guys and, and how to move them. Because he's a, he's a little bit smaller than a lot of the guys he's going against, right? He's like 280, 285 pounds, where he's going up against nose tackles in the Big Ten who are 330, 335. And... He had no problem with it, right? If if you have a guy lining up across him who's fifty pounds heavier, it's not a problem for Linderbaum. He's he's a stud. Um, I I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the top ten.
2: Yeah, Ryan, what, do you agree with that? I mean, he's he's going to be a guy to watch. He's going to go very early, and some team's going to get very lucky with him.
3: Oh yeah, there's a few teams that should consider him, like the Falcons, like picking in that top ten to thirteen spots. Like that's kind of, I think, where he should go somewhere like that should really consider him. A, he's a mauler. He's someone that's not got the biggest stature in the world, but he uses his uh, weight. He knows how to gain. He knows when to pull down, when to push up, when to get underneath. He uses your body and mass against you because he's not able to use all of his own because so he understands nose tackle. He understands what they want to try to try get around him underneath them. And that enables him to then negate that moving to the side of the ball. He is... Like one A, one B. Like say that top center in the draft, else like Alec Lindstrom. But I think this guy will be taken first. Like say I think he'll go top fifteen. Anyone with need and line. he'll be a day one starter. Like say he's he's, he's very solid, very experienced, and uh, has been just one of the key parts of a, a dreadful Iowa offense. I watched Iowa so many times this year; they are awful.
2: Yeah, they featured very heavily in some of our reviews, didn't they? And I remember saying that, you know, even if the offense could be half-decent, that could be a good side. And, and they couldn't even manage half-decent. They were truly atrocious. And that game against Michigan was just like, oh, God.
1: They, they, the best-case were... scenario for an Iowa offense is scoring, like, 24 points. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty rough, and that's, that's a historical problem for them. And
2: and half of those points are probably scored by the defense, <laughs> yeah. sixes, etc. I, I know. We'll we'll get on to that now. So, obviously, Tyler Linderbaum's the big attraction to watch from there. You've also got Tyler Goodson, the running back. He had 1,200 yards, I think about eight touchdowns. So he might provide a, an enticing prospect for someone. But, you know, some of these defenders they've got are coming up here. You've got Dane Belton, the safety. I mean, his 2021, he's had a great year. 46 tackles, three for a loss. He's got five interceptions, seven passes defended. He's got a sack as well. You've got the experienced cornerback, Matt Hankins. He's played 44 games for them, 212 tackles, only two and a half for a loss. So not a guy who comes forward too much, but he's got six interceptions, 21 passes defended and a fumble recovery. I mean, those secondary guys are some of the best in the country there. And, you know, these guys are going to provide you know, really tempting development Prospects for for the right team, I guess, aren't they? I mean, you you were lucky enough you didn't get to face them this year, so yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and the scariest part is the best one of the group. Riley Moss he's decided he's going to come back to Iowa. So, yeah, Hankins specifically was was a guy that I I really loved watching this year. He's a stud. Uh, that Iowa defense it's it's really well coached every year. You know, they have defensive backs going into the NFL every year. Uh, this year is definitely no exception.
2: Absolutely, and then you've got the defensive lineman as well, Zach Van Valkenburg. He's in this draft, so he's been there. Well he's had two seasons of production: 88 tackles, 23 and a half for a loss, nine sacks, a forced fumble, four fumble recoveries. In a in a year when defense, you know, the defensive line is stacked in some areas, because guys like this, who have got a lot of production. They're not getting a lot of attention, but again, this might provide good value, Ryan.
3: Well, oh, I, I like Van Vulkenberg. I've seen him play a few times. I think he's, I think he's a day three guy currently. But that's not big. That's no reflection on him. That's just because this deep is a very large pool of defensive linemen. I I would love to send a, a fifth or a sixth round pick on him if he slides. I would very much. I think I've seen a lot of them in that mold. I watched him a few times. He looks. He's not the biggest, but I saw a bit like Anthony Zettel. There was some rawness on the edge. He's able to get in the backfield, secure those tackles for loss. I'd say he's someone that's able to uh, work inside, but primarily go out to. He was a good part of a uh, not the best defensive line, but he was able to uh, get his defensive backs, buy them time, put quarterbacks off the throw, get in passing lanes. I saw a lot as well. He's got the IQ that he knows if he can't be beaten he gets up and he puts his hands up as well to try to tip a pass, which I like. So he knows when he's uh, he's not going to win the battle, so he'll try get the war instead. And to go about defensive backs, it, it's not hard-pressed to say, I win last few years or one of the DBUs. They have produced some great defensive backs. And as I mentioned, I half, when we did our half-mocks in the season, I sent Riley Moss to the Lions. Before I thought it was going to declare this year. Four exceptions, two pick-sixes. He's going to be a stud to watch next year. Like I say, And he is really good. Dane Belton, I've seen him. Hammer coming from the safety position. He will happily come up in the box and be a thumper. But he's also got that good. I think it was Iowa State where the turnovers really changed the game. They picked off Purdy two or three times. I think he might have got one, but this is a good class. This is a genuinely good class for Iowa, even though they let their season slip so bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you agree, Kevin, is Van Valkenberg down there more just because of the depth of class rather than his, his play? Because, I mean, those are good figures that you've got there, especially on a team, I say, where the D-line's not the best in the world. Is.
1: Yeah, and, and Iowa players typically aren't sexy, right? It's not the sexy name that's going to get pushed up the board. So, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a good value for somebody down there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, we've got a let's go, Kevin, in the chat from Connor Flayer. Yeah. Indeed. That's my boy. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us, Connor. I do, do appreciate it there. So that's really the uh, the main group from Iowa there. Um, you've got the kicker coming up as well, Caleb Shudak. I can't remember what I remember. He's
1: a stud. Uh, yeah, you know, it's always tough to project a kicker, but he's a good one.
2: Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, you know, Ryan has got his favourite kicker. He's a he's a Nick Skiba fan from Wake Forest and you know he's the only kicker who exists <laughs> no, he's... In, he's the only kicker who exists in college football for Ryan. So um <laughs>
1: but yeah. I don't blame you, that's a good one to uh to latch on to.
2: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Caleb Schudak the kicker he's declaring and then their offensive guard Kyla Schott is as well, but he's projected somewhere down near four hundred, so don't know how much we're going to see of him. Uh, moving on next, we've got uh, Maryland. Um, we had to get this pronounced during the season. I kept calling it Maryland. I have to. I don't <laughs> know why it's called Maryland, but hey, it is. They've been a fun team to watch this year. Obviously, Towler is now the uh, the quarterback there now. He had a bit of an up-and-down year. We were really bigging him up at one point. But they've they've got a few prospects again coming up. Not the, not the deepest class there, but th- maybe the name that stands out most as a... An intriguing development guy in there. Well, there's really two of them, but one on both sides of the ball. So you've got the tight end, Chagosie, Makonkwo. Um, again, Kevin, I hate to bring this one up, but you know when you played them, he had a great day. He went 8 yeah. for 112, two touchdowns, although it's fair to say the passing defense last year was, was the <laughs> massive Achilles heel for you guys there. But he sort of had a day there. I mean, what, what did you see from him that day that caught your eye, if anything?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people had a day against us passing last year, but no, he's athletically, he's as gifted as any tight end you'll see coming out in, in the recent years. The The thing with him was uh, it was a big story during the broadcast of the game. I remember bringing it up and I've seen it since is uh, he had some like heart issues that kept him out before last year. So his, you know, full career production isn't what it could be. And I'm sure that's something that's going to be, uh, something that scares away some teams. There was some, um, issue. I think it was like myocarditis. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but there were some heart issues. So that's, that's something that's obviously really serious and some NFL teams are probably going to just avoid altogether. But the, the athletically, again, the kid is an absolute stud and, uh, he made quick work of the passing defense for Michigan State, but he's he's one of those 240-pound guys that runs like a 190-pound guy.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Ryan, I know you're not as high on the tight end class this year as I am, but he's this guy's another one who fits into that sort of middling group of tight ends who could potentially be really good this year, but obviously there's a lot of development amongst all these guys.
3: Oh, yeah, in in general, the tight end class, let's like, say, there's some fantastic athletes. There's some great blockers. There's some true pass-catching threats. There's a small minority that kind of bring that all together. I I remember watching this game now. Maryland were fun to watch last year. They weren't very good, but they're fun to watch. That's the story of Maryland football. They're not very good,
1: but they're fun to watch.
3: (laughs) Talia is either really good or really bad. Like you don't get much in between. It's such a pass-heavy offense. Like they just live to die by the pass every week. So his numbers might have been inflated at times, but he won't be used like that at the next level. I think it'll be the blocking. Like say, if he's got, if he can use that whole two hundred and forty-pound frame at the next level to uh, sustain blocks on the offensive line, and then use that ballerina-like nice agility in offense where he looks smaller than he plays. He's could be a potential stud, like say he could go day three, and he could be someone that gives that option for tight end two or three on the team, so it could be someone that could be one of the darlings, one of the sweethearts of the draft, if it Paul, if he tests well, uh, they will get the medical, and they will get the doctors looking at him to give him a full clean of health, that's the only thing that could stop him.
2: Yeah, 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 definitely agree with that one, once Trey McBride's off the board and he's the tight end love this year, you're down into development territory, but a lot of potentially really exciting guys. Um, Don Burr is in the chat. He says, yo, yo, what up, Doe? Don Burr? Thank you for joining us as always. The other the other guy I got sort of mixed in for this Maryland safe, um, class here for the draft, and I know this because our own Oliver Hodgkinson over here picked up on him, and he seems to be quite high on him. That's their safety, Nick Cross. Um, he's had a productive career for them, 134 tackles, five and a half for a loss, he's got four sacks, five interceptions, ten passes defended, three forced fumbles. The one thing I saw on the tape, especially that he put up, this guy zips around and never stops. He's, he's, he's seductively fast, I think is the thing there, but this is again another guy who provides a lot of potential upside for the right team there. You see much of him, Kevin.
1: He's he's a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. I think a lot of teams are going to like him because he can cover a tight end, he can cover slot receiver, and he can also fit in the run game. So uh, he's a fun player. I think he'll find a he'll find a spot somewhere.
2: Ryan, do you see much of him either?
1: Uh, I've watched
3: odd Maryland game this year. Yeah, I think primarily he'll start as a special teamer. Where I think I'd expect him to excel. he would put him on a kickoff team. He could be a gunner. So he's someone that will provide great value, which is enough to sustain a roster spot. And then if you mix him in on the field as well, good tackler, coming downhill can pretty hard. Good nose for the ball as well, the fast fumbles. So he's someone that knows how to finish a play. Safety pool is a good group of guys, and then it just kind of drops off to the next level. So I think you'll get a shot at making a roster this year.
2: Yeah, this is... I mean, this is the argument that we've been having now just just for ages and ages um, in regards to Kyle Hamilton. It's just like, you know... I think the safety class does drop off quite a lot, and that's why we need to go after him there, but again, you know there are potentially these guys who can who can come out and get the job done So we see. but that's enough of Maryland for now. I remember I remember us predicting them to be Iowa, and they they got absolutely rinsed by Iowa. I think they gave up a <laughs> that few. was a boat race, yeah <laughs> They gave up over 50 to them, and like you say, you, if an Iowa offense gets 24, that's a good day. And they dropped 50 on them, you're just like, for God's I, sake. I think Talia had
1: like six picks in yeah. that game, it was it was rough.
2: And the, me and Ryan staked our reputations on that game. We picked <laughs> the upsets of the week and we said, no, nope, or, or at least I did. Did you do as well, Ryan? I'm sure we both did.
3: I did, yeah, because Sam Petras, like, I was just like, he won't do anything. <laughs> like, he never does anything ever.
2: He's terrible. Yeah, and then <laughs> it ended up, they dropped 50 on them and just like, oh yeah, well, you know. What do we know about everything? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Maryland. Now, now we move on to the rivals, the Wolverines, and obviously you were able to get another second straight win over them this year. I mean, it was—I guess—just your season in general was a season of highs and lows. Obviously, they started off so well, and then they knocked the Wolverines off. I mean, I just guess any win over them is special.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, No. One of the one of the really cool things about college football is the rivalries, Um, you know, like because in the NFL, the biggest rivalries, a lot of them, like you look at the Eagles and the Cowboys. I mean, they're separated by like fifteen hundred miles and Michigan and Michigan State are separated by about 30 minutes of highway so you know we interact like when when i was living back home in detroit you're you're interacting with these people every single day at work at school um so beating them is the sweetest sweetest thing especially growing up they kicked our ass every year and it was it was tough i i went to school and like i was 12 years old just getting demoralized by all my friends and now We've been kind of the bullies in that rivalry recently, so it's been a lot of fun. But, yeah, two in a row, uh, the first two for our new coach, Mel Tucker. So he's 2-0 and against him. And, uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's coming back, and I can say Michigan State fans aren't uh, too upset about it.
2: Oh, no, Ryan called it. He said that he was rinsing them for money, and lo and behold, he comes back, and his contract's absolutely huge. Um, but in terms of the team he put together last year, obviously it was a pretty decent one. They made it all the way to the uh, semifinals and then unfortunately got obliterated. But hey-ho, what can you do about it? But their draft class, obviously, you've got to talk about the two edges to start with. Obviously, Aidan Hutchinson, presumptive number one draft pick, possibly. And, you know, Guy, who has set off numerous arguments between Lions fans, and especially us on the podcast about whether he should be drafted or not. And then you've got David Ajarbo. Obviously, he's the one-year wonder there. 35 tackles, three passes defended, 11 sacks, five forced fumbles in a year. He's he's had a year and a half. What would you make of these two edges coming out? Obviously, both of them projected first round, good good caliber there. But what do you reckon with them?
1: I I wish Aiden Hutchinson played somewhere else because I I really I would love him as a football player if he didn't play for Michigan. Um, I think people are underestimating his ceiling i honestly i think it's because he's a white defensive end there's the well he's got a high floor and a low ceiling and that's just that's the tag that gets put on every white defensive end right or every white football player basically but um no and hutchinson he's he's a really really good player uh good pass rusher good run stuffer he's really dynamic athlete and i think some people are going to be pretty surprised at his combine numbers um i i as much as i hate it if if the lions took him at number two and i was forced to root for him uh i think he would make it pretty easy to be honest he's he's just a damn good football player to give him credit ojabo i think because he's getting picked in the first round in a lot of these mock drafts it it does scare me a little bit because he's a situational pass rusher. He's not a complete well-rounded defensive end the same way Hutchinson is and and rushing the passer has never been more valuable than it is right now but um he is a a pretty specific player. And and like you said there he only really has one year of of huge Numbers And is that a large part because he was rushing opposite in Hutchinson, who was taking a lot of double teams. So if if uh, if I was somebody that, you know, had him getting drafted right if the Lions if he fell to 32 and we, and we ended up taking him uh, because we somehow passed on a pass rusher with our first pick. Um, I, I would be a little bit worried <laughs> because yeah, he's he's a situational pass rusher and, and I don't know how complete and well rounded his game is at this point.
2: Yeah, that that number two pick is such a thing. I mean I I'm team safety here. I know a lot of people don't like that, but um yeah, I don't know what's going on. Ryan, what do you, you reckon? Obviously with the two addresses. I mean a job of one year, as Kevin said, he's been opposite Aiden. Is that enough to warrant a first round first round tag on him?
3: And what about Aiden himself? See, a jar is hard to work out. Like, you say he's had this one year of production where he's benefited from having someone on the other side drawing the double teams and the blocks. So he's been a he's been a byproduct. He's been a benefactor of Hutchinson getting so much attention. Taking him in the first round for me, big no no. Won't, I won't even take him at thirty two. That worries me. I've seen him as high as the Falcons pick. Like, say that like. 11 to 13 point and that i think is crazy but then also look at jason Orway. he did nothing at penn state and had a good rookie year i never thought he would have gone in the first round because he didn't have many career sacks or much stats so i feel like they helped one another out so yeah when
1: you're like a 260 pound dude running a 4-4 that <laughs> that'll helps, help yeah yeah i think it'll all be about Ojabo, job or how he works out well
3: and the right team as i agree He's not He's not going to be an every-down player. He will rotate out. He isn't the best, I don't think, in run support or setting the edge and containing the run. I think he'll be someone that will want to get after the... Uh, he might be like a Micah Parsons. He gets after the quarterback, and that's what you ask him to do. If he's able to do that successfully, Kyle role for himself, whereas Hutchinson, is a little more well-rounded. I was happier in the run game as well, better at setting the edge and helping up and... Uh, Supporting his people on the inside So he's more of a team player That's still technically gifted as well To be his offensive lineman Rips, pulls, hands Using more technique than pure athleticism And we're still able to get the job done At the next level Everyone knows I'd like Carl Hamilton If we take Hutchinson at two I won't be upset i will be like, that's good I expect him to be an instant upgrade Because Aquara got that lingering injury Trey Flowers, don't want to see him anywhere near the state of Michigan whatsoever, get rid of him, but yeah, so it will be a day one starter with Hutchinson, and I don't care who he supports, I don't care if he's never been a Lions fan, like I say, he's a blue chip, and I expect he will put in a real good shift, and he'll win the fans over very quickly.
1: I think Hutchinson getting taken at number two, the uh, The thing is, it would, it would be pretty similar, the problem is it's at number two, but it would be pretty similar to when we took Ragnow a few years ago. It's one of those picks that you're not like, oh my god, this is crazy, you know, we're, si- but it's just like, alright, yep, good pick, good player, move on to the next one. Like, it's it's just kind of that that guy that you know is going to be a good player, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, he's a Wolverine, but damn good football player, I don't know what I can say.
2: I, th- I think the only thing as far as I'm concerned is, is he a number two caliber right. pick? Because there's no quarterbacks round this year. Is, is he, like, in the Jadavian clowny territory or miles garrett when they were taken up there that's the problem for me because with a lack of yeah. true quarterbacks and you know guys at the top i feel like the guys who were right at the top you know they're really good players but are they worthy of the picks there i just i don't know
1: to be honest it's it's not the year to be drafting number two unfortunately but no. it is a good year to have two first round picks but it's it's not a good year to have one of them be number two but it's a yeah, good year I feel-
2: it's a good year we've got both New York teams just behind us with multiple <laughs> picks and <laughs> right. they may be stupid enough to trade.
3: I feel safer taking Hutchinson at two than when we took Ezekiel answer, Because that was that, that was a boom or bust pick, the turning out bust. This feels a lot safer than that, even though he's going a few picks earlier. So that's the only cons- consolation for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um Fan Man is in the chat. Thank you for joining us, Debt Fat Man as always. He has asked us a question. I'll finish off this Michigan summary and then we'll quickly get onto that. But see we've talked about the two presumptive first round picks there. There is potentially a third one, but this is because we're in Wolverine circles and they're really hyping their guys up here. That's obviously the safety Dax Hill. He's been projected very high in some marks, maybe a bit too much for my liking, but, you know, he's had himself a good career. He's had three years, 150 tackles, seven and a half for a loss, just a half a sack, but four interceptions, 15 passes, defended three fumble recoveries. I mean, one's a bit too rich for him here, but, you know, maybe as a good development guy, a little bit down the road, possibly, but but definitely not one.
1: I think he's better than Jabril Peppers was coming out, uh, like as a Michigan, you know, like that versatile Michigan safety. So Jabril Peppers was a first-round pick, but he was also just really hyped his whole career. Dexon Hill has been a little bit more under the radar, but um, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he slipped into the back end of the first round. I think he's a really good player. He can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. Um he's even taken a few snaps at corner too so he's pretty versatile piece I think he's better than Jabril Peppers was coming out so uh, I think somebody will definitely take a shot at him at the latest in the middle of the second round but uh, yeah no I I think Daxton Hill is is a legit NFL prospect
3: Ryan first is way too rich for my blood with Daxton Hill unfortunately I've got him as like the third safety I'd take. Like Hamilton, I like Briska, who will we'll come on to. I'm, I'm hiring him. Like I say, if we have to take him, if we can trade back from 34, which I think we probably will be able to, I think someone will definitely want that pick because this, this is going to be a stacked second round, so we'd trade that pick back a few spots. I'd want to take him then, get a bit more capital. Like I say, as you mentioned, he's played in a lot of other positions as well. He'll be one of those key gadget pieces he can move around the defense. So, it won't surprise me if we do take a liking to him. And uh, I'm, I'll am i be working on that. i would be fine in the second round.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other guy I just sort of wanted to mention before going through the others, um, and this is a guy who can't interest me, actually, depending on where he goes, though. Um, their right tackle, Andrew Stuber. Um, this guy, I mean, he's an absolute man-mounted. He's, what, 6'7". 340 pounds. He's in the old Big Ten team. Just coughed up one sack in 2021. That was against Georgia when, quite frankly, I think every offensive lineman in football coughed up a sack to Georgia last year, the way that front seven played. Um, 350 pass blocking snaps. It was just the one sack he gave up. Three quarterback hits, six quarterback pressures, and obviously Michigan ran the ball incredibly well last year through him there. I mean, he... you know the tackle class. He could potentially be you know one of the better guys coming out this year. I think he's got the frame. He's got the ability to do it. I mean, I don't know what do you think, Kevin, about him. I I, I quite like him from what I've seen.
1: Their whole offensive line was just dominant all year, so um, he's probably the best of the bunch. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't speak too much to him like personally as a player, but if you're taking a Michigan offensive lineman that was on the the starting lineup this year, you're probably going to be in good shape. Yep, like I say,
3: I'm not opposed to lines spending capital on offensive linemen. If he can play a bit of guard while he's training, if he wants to play tackle at the next level, if we need needing to move him around or fill in, like I say, he's going to be good. We want to run the ball, and he's good at running the ball. They were good as a unit. They were strong in run support and run blocking, so that's where I think I'd like to see him excel and expect that huge frame as well. Like I say, he looks like a bit of a mauler. He was someone that will stand out on the end of our line, so... I'd be a part. I'd say if he's one of the later rounds, I'll take a fire on him. Mm,
2: I think he's in round three territory at the moment, so possibly you know we'll have no. a few picks at the top, but we'll see. Yeah,
3: we've got a compensation pick, so third round.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've got the first, and as long as the first and the seconds go on bona fide, start straight away. You never know. Um, so with the rest of the Michigan class, so you got the running back Hassan Haskins, outside linebacker Josh Ross, the defensive lineman Chris Hinton. Safety Brad Hawkins, cornerback Vincent Gray, their center Andrew Vastardis, and their place kicker, Jake Moody. I mean, I know the are arrivals and all, Kevin, but is there anyone from that group who you expect to do better than they've been given, they're maybe hyped up for, or anything at this moment in time?
1: I, I will say, like, you know, I have to play the, the anti-rival here. But Vincent Gray, if anybody's trying to mock him into somewhere, just, just avoid him like the plague. He's gotten torched year after year by Michigan State specifically. Um, yeah, he's, he's – I know corner is a tough position, but he's, he's, he's not it. Um, Hassan Haskins is a really good running back. Uh, that's a guy that I think, you know, you could probably take in the fifth or sixth round and uh and be pretty happy about it though. I I like Taskins as a player.
2: Ryan, any anyone else you fancy out of the rest of the Michigan class?
3: I saw Brad Hawkins play at the other safety, Dax Hill's teammate. He was he looked pretty good when he was on the field. <laughs> I don't know how his player project to the next level, but I'm not opposed to picking two safeties or picking them one up later rounds. I'm, although we in Haskins, great college player, but for me, when I look at this running back class, I, d- I don't see it at the next level. I've got a lot of backs ahead of him at the next go I don't think he's going to be a standout NFL back. I think he'll be a, a part-time or a rotational, something like that. So, But rest of it is not too much to say.
2: No, expect to see a lot of Michigan players early on and then maybe not so many later on, maybe more on practice squads out the rest. Of them. Um, so that's everything really for the Wolverines there. Just before we move on, he like said "Depth fan man dropped us a, a question in the chat. Now, obviously, we've had the chatter this year, the uh, this week. The commanders said they were going to let Chase Young go, possibly for a quarterback in there. And a lot of Lions fans have been hypothesizing what if we got Chase Young and the number 11 pick and we gave up the number 2 pick and Jared Goff. I mean, Ryan, uh, j- maybe quickly, is that a deal you'd do? Would you take that?
3: No, I'm not giving him two. They can have Goff 32, and I'll just take Chase Young.
2: Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd agree there. I, I, I think I'd,
1: I'd give up two for Chase Young. For Chase Young. Oh, really? Yeah. I, that kid, that is, you know, we're talking Big Ten prospects. That might be the best, like, including the BOSAs, that might be the best Big Ten prospect we've had in, in a long time. That kid was an absolute freak. Coming out of Ohio State, and I know he's had the injuries, but um, no, I I think so highly of Chase Young that you know you you compare uh, what you would get out of like an Aiden Hutchinson that we were just talking about it too. I think Chase Young is just so much more gifted, and uh, yeah, I would, I would do that. I don't know if they would love Jared Goff enough to make that deal though.
2: I, yeah, I feel like that's. Possibly the sticking point there. Right. <laughs> Potentially something to it. So, if, if you were hoping for a conclusive answer, Death Fan Man, you've got one definite yes, one definite no, and one in the middle. <laughs> um, hey ho, you know, to take make of that what you will. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll come back to the, the big technical <coughs> classes. So, next up, uh, we've got the uh, the Gophers, Minnesota. let see, unfortunately, lost most of their running backs to injury throughout the season bless them. some pretty pretty bad ones in there as well but they ended up having a decent season just ended up missing out on getting to the championship game by about one game I think three teams finished on six wins in that little group there but they've got a couple of very interesting prospects now obviously the big one our friend Luke G did a, uh, a review of him lately he's one of his favourite players in the draft and this is the reason we don't want to go edge at two there's so many good guys who are coming out here this just this edge class is absolutely stacked. It's not a lie to say. It's stacked as anything. And the boy wonder himself from Minnesota, boy Maffe, um, His 2021, he had a hell of a season. 34 tackles, 10 of which were for a loss. Seven sacks, forced fumble. He bowled out in the senior bowl. I know he had a forced fumble in that. He had sacks in that. He had tackles for loss. He made the life of offensive tackles that week absolute hell. I mean, you know, talking about the edge quality coming out of here for, for a guy like boy mafia if he reaches his potential you're getting a guy potentially who's as good as these guys who are going in the top 10 are they not kevin
1: yeah again i don't know why you would take uh, david ajabo in the first round when you could take boy mafia probably in the second round i i think he he might even be the better player and and pretty similar right they're they're kind of situational pass rushers but yeah he's a pretty special kid
2: Ryan, what do you think
3: with, with, with Maffei? I really enjoyed watching what I saw at the senior ball. To be honest, I'd seen Minnesota a few times this year, severely disappointed with them. Like, their year went bad, but obviously they had injuries, which didn't help. Mohammed Ibrahim should have been their star of this draft class, but he's returning because of the injury. He's going to be a special back in the NFL, I think, and at college. So, but Maffei, I agree. That late second round, I think, could be a nice place to pick him up. Once a uh, like I say he's a, he's a good all-round guy. Like I say he's someone that could do a really good workout. He's fresh. He's current. He's in everyone's mind because of seen him at the senior ball. So I would take. I'd rather wait around and go with him a other than taking a punt on a jarboard who's had that that one year of inflated numbers.
2: Yeah, I mean, this 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 edge class hanging around the the edge of the first and the start of the second. I think it's just something completely special. You've got. On a barre, you've got Cameron Thomas. You've got so many of these guys here that are just going to provide such good values for players. And Maffei is going to be going to be right in there. Now, the other one from Minnesota, I circled out for this year because you know, again, so much potential there. That's their offensive tackle, Danielle, Daniel Daniel Falele. Now this <laughs> guy is absolutely huge. He is six foot eight and three hundred and eighty-seven pounds. Now I thought I was big. I'm six four and about 260. This guy would eat me as a snack, and I'm quite a big dude, but I saw something from Math Bomb the other day with his Rastings. things. He said he would be the biggest guy drafted on paper since his record started in 1987. Anyhow, he has a wingspan of 86 inches. It's just like, this guy could probably cover two spots on the defensive line all on his own, but I mean, you watch the tape with him, and for a guy his size, he is explosive, and he moves quickly, big men like that shouldn't move as quick as he does, and, you know, he even scored a rushing touchdown in Minnesota's last game of the year, and I'm not surprised, because if you're a 230-pound defensive end seeing a 380-pound tackle running at you with a football, you're just going to dive out of the way, you're not even going to try and stop a guy like that, but I mean, he looks so impressive. For his size, his speed is unbelievable. And if a team gets the right thing out of him, they're potentially going to get a hell of a pick here because he's not drafted particularly highly. He's not projected particularly high.
1: It's from, from Australia, too, which, uh, you know, he's had an interesting story. But it's one of those deals for me that if you don't, if, if the second round goes by and nobody's taken him it's just a classic case of NFL teams like overthinking this process, right? You have this enormous guy who's really athletic for his size. And, you know, is he the most technically sound player in the world? Probably not. But like you said, he might be the biggest dude who has ever come out. So it's just one of those things that if, uh, again, if the second round goes by and nobody's taking a shot on him, I would be shocked.
3: Yeah, agreed. From what I've seen from Minnesota, pass blocking, like the whole line just kind of struggled as a unit. Like, say, Tanner Morgan didn't get much help, even though he's not the best. Run blocking going forward, he'll be an absolute menace. Like, say, he's a proper mauler bruiser. Just get behind him, lead the way for him. And, like, say, when he's able to then get out and get to the next level, deceivingly and fast for someone of that size and that weight He's got pretty light feet on him So I think he'll be good at moving out as well to the next level So I think there's a lot there to work with Like I say, he's going to be one of those day two guys That you pick up on the next day and the next level He could be a mauler on an offensive line On a strong, strong, run-heavy line Like I say, and then uh, kick him out Could be, like I say, Sewell Could get him out on the screen He's lightly athletic And then get him blocking linebackers and safeties to the next level
2: yeah, I mean I, I think someone's gonna get crazy good value with him. Like I say, you just don't see guys his size move the way they do. And there's hand usage as well. The amount of times he just these these edgers just sort of get hands on him and he just sort of karate shots them off and the amount of guys you see nose dive just because they lose their balance and their heads in the sand.
1: It, it's quite but I'm impressive. I'm pretty sure I saw too, he has like eleven inch hands. So <laughs> like when he gets his paws on you, it's over.
2: Exactly. And because he can move so well, it's like, it's not even like the speedy guys have trouble getting around him as well. So he, he certainly want to keep his eye on. I mean, the whole Minnesota class here is it, it's trench warfare. So you've got those two guys on either side. You've got the defensive lineman, Niles Pinkney. You've got the defensive lineman, Assisi, Otomewu. And then you've got the offensive tackle, Blaze Andries, all as well. So those are all... Um, trench guys from both sides there. Are any of those others someone you've kept an eye on, or are they just maybe going to be let go in later on? In draft? Not
1: particularly. Nobody really stands out.
2: No. Okay. We'll move that on from Minnesota. So we'll move it on now, and uh, we go to Nebraska. Actually, Nebraska have got a lot of guys I know, especially we like this year as well. So starting it off, the main guy here, so you've got the linebacker Jojo Doman, um, 208 tackles, 26 and a half for loss, five and a half sacks, three interceptions, 15 passes defended, nine forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. He is literally a fumble machine. And the thing I love about him is his coverage. His coverage grade since 2020 is 91.0. That's second only to Oban cornerback Roger McCreary. I mean, I know this guy has some issues with him but I mean especially with the Lions, we have not had a coverage linebacker since time immemorial and I think if you can sort of iron out the issues with this guy he's exactly the sort of player that you're looking for in this draft coverage linebackers, they like gold dust
1: Yeah, I was just going
2: to good say good good Lions, the Lions
1: the, the, the Lions would love this kid that's that's all go on Rai
3: could see someone trying to put him back at safety where he used to play. Like I say, I feel like that's where he gained all these good coverage strengths. But the tackle speaks themselves, so he has he has worked on the run support. He has worked on finding a nose to the ball, the force fumbles, the tackles. So he's definitely got better working in the box as well. So And he's by far probably the most experienced coverage linebacker, so I think that'll be a premium. That is what you really look for these days, because he's someone that could like You'd like to think could pick up a tight end or get someone out of the slot. So I think he'll uh, he could go higher. He might be inflated his draft stock.
2: Mm, definitely, and one of your favorite players also resides in here. Obviously, their wide receiver, Samore Torre. Um, he had himself a, a good day. I think it was it was not the senior bowl. It was the other one, was it? The Shrine Bowl. He was at. He was up. So. He grabbed himself a couple of touchdowns there, but I mean, what do you like about him so much?
3: Well, he looks like a number one light I hope when it comes to the measurements that he is true to his size because he's nearly six foot 4 He's got a long-rangey frame. He has got a good body of work. Spent a few years at Montana Grizz at the FCS. Broke a lot of records. He is an outside deep threat. He's got a nice touch as well, tracks the ball really well. Took the gamble on transferring to an FBS school because he wanted to make his resume look a little bit better. Landed at Nebraska. Had a really good year for them. Like they weren't a good side. Like I said, they struggled now under Scott Frost for a few years, but he was one of the bright sparks on the offence. I think he got a good seven, 800 yards in an offence that struggled to move the ball downfield. He's the kind of threat and the guy you look for. He's got a good frame that could put a little bit of weight on. I think he will probably slide right like on the later rounds, but he's someone you could pick up. the be a proper gem. I think the Lions could make a really good project out of him, because he's, he's what you look an
2: outside Well, for, yeah, definitely five 100-yard performances he had this year, but not against Michigan State. They only let him go for four yards and one reception there. They, they did something right against him that day.
1: Shockingly, the Michigan State <laughs> pass defense actually stepped up.
2: Yeah, and Adrian Martinez is probably not the best quarterback
1: in the <laughs> world
2: either well that's
1: that's probably the biggest selling point for for torre right it's you can put up 800 yards with adrian martinez at quarterback imagine what he could do with anybody else
2: no absolutely yeah like you say that's probably one of the big selling points there for him as well so the other the other sort of receiving option there was starting to garner a lot of interest as well Now, i must admit i've not heard his name mentioned much and i'm wondering kevin if you can shine a bit more of a light on him but their tight end austin allen now this guy is, I think he's about 6'9 or something stupidly tall, but this year he's had 6'2 <laughs> yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, the catch rate of this guy is absolutely ridiculous, and given his size as well, he blocks really well, but he's a name that had not come on the tight end radar for me for a while. Have you seen much of him? What what, what sort of player is he?
1: Well, Nebraska fans, from what I've seen on on Twitter and stuff, it was one of those guys that... They kept wondering why Scott Frost wasn't featuring him more because like you said, he's like 6'8", 6'9", whatever it is. I'm I'm interested to see what he actually uh, weighs in at. But um, yeah, he's he's somebody who will just box you out at the catch point. Um, He had, I think, a couple hundred yard games this year. So... An interesting prospect, if not just for the size. But uh, I'm I'm double checking right now. He had like 600 yards this year, like you said. So, uh, but I I do know. I remember going into the season, kind of listening to a lot of preseason stuff from different, like Nebraska football podcasts and stuff. And they were a lot of them were pointing to him as a guy like hey, we got to get this guy involved because he's he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and, and we're kind of lacking those middle-of-the-field options. So he's a very interesting prospect.
2: Mm, another one in that tight end. You're going to have to do some more research on this. It's, it's, some of these tight ends are coming out of, out of nowhere, and some I've just not heard of, so we'll have to have a look. But, I mean, let's say Nebraska, there's still a few guys, obviously – the other one we've got is Cam Taylor-Britt. Now, me and Ryan, we obviously did a look down on the cornerbacks not so long ago. And obviously, this guy's the tackle machine. 150 tackles, 10 for a loss in there as well. He's got five interceptions. He's returned them for 150 yards. So, obviously, got some speed on him when he does get those interceptions in the bag. 25-odd passes defended, four false fumbles again. You know, Nebraska may not have been a good team this year, but defensively they produced some really good guys, and this guy could do really well.
1: Yeah, there was like the if if you followed the Big Ten at all, they were talking about Nebraska being the best three and nineteen of all time. Um, they they had a really good defense. Cam Taylor Britt, I think, is a good player, and uh, he he was doing some returning as well back in in twenty twenty more than he was this last year, but. Um, he's a pretty gifted player. I would be surprised if he went undrafted.
3: Yeah, from what I've seen, he's a proper athlete. <clears throat> he's the kind of guy that you you ask him to both go, go both ways. can play receiver, can play defensive back. Like I say, he's athletically gifted enough. He's got the good frame as well. Like I say, he's got decent size, good tackler. I think, uh, <clears throat> What whose team was he on at the senior bowl? He was on one of the teams, wasn't he?
0: I think he was on the Jets side because they—they yeah, well, like they, they got
1: all the good
3: corners for that. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he looks like someone that will be a late round guy. I don't expect him to slip through the net and go undrafted. Like I say Nebraska. I'm actually going to watch them. They're coming here to Dublin playing Northwestern in the Naviva Classics. So I'm
1: going to that game, but I hope they—I hope they play a bit better this year. <laughs> I can't believe, like, as as uh, you know the college football i would guess the the point of that is to expand the game and to gain more fans and stuff and you're sending nebraska and northwestern to try to expand the sport um you are going to really enjoy that 12 to 10 game yeah. oh yeah i'm not expecting much from
2: <laughs> yeah just just a spoiler out of doing all this northwestern probably get the least amount of time talked about when it comes to <laughs> <his> draft <laughs> if, if if at all really there but um <laughs> yeah, at least Nebraska have been able to get some guys out there. So you've got those four big ones, really, there from then. You've got a few others. You've got Cam Jurgens, the offensive lineman. I think he's a guard of theirs, if I remember rightly. Then you've got the defensive lineman, Ben Still and Damian Daniels. But didn't have any of them particularly high on any lists, um, unless anyone wants to correct otherwise. No? No. Move on from that, then. So, moving on to Northwestern. Um, this isn't going to take long. So um, the only sort of big draft prospect they possibly had coming this year was their safety, Brandon Joseph. But instead of declaring for the 2022 draft, he's gone to Notre Dame to be heir apparent to Kyle Hamilton. Um, on a team bereft of talent, that's that's a, that's a big loss for them.
1: He's a first-round player, like, no doubt about it. That That's a stud that I think Northwestern fans were probably just – really hoping and praying in the transfer portal era that they could hold on to him but it was only a matter of time
3: yeah he's gonna be a great replacement for hamilton like i said he was one of the only two safeties i'd have put in the first round this year i'm quite surprised he's not declared with a with interest in depth for the position they decided he wanted to probably try to win something so i kind of get that uh Northwestern did have a guy drafted, Clayton Thorson. Their quarterback was taken in the first round of the USFL,
1: if that's anything (laughs) for them. Hang Hang the banner.
2: Oh, God, completely forgot about that. The the only other two guys I could find that they're actually sending is the defensive lineman, Jeremy Miser. He was ranked 285, so eh, possibly really on the uh, priority free agent list, maybe. And then the offensive linebacker, the offensive outside linebacker, Chris Bergen, he's ranked about 380, so yeah, uh, don't think there's no reason to stay on Northwestern much longer, they were not very good, and hopefully, like I say, for, when, for Ryan, for when they come over to Ireland next year, hopefully they've, they've got some talent. Sorted out you, know, and make a game a
1: you can never fully count out Pat Fitzgerald to put out like a decent team, but it's not going to be on individual talent. It's going to be a couple of hard-nosed linebackers and a decent run game, and it's, it's not going to be an exciting brand of football.
2: No, uh, like I guess it's, it's going to be more a, a slugum affair, I guess. You're not going to go there expecting 50 to 45, not like Wake Forest games this year where they just like – hundred points every single game.
1: No, that's that's gonna be like a thirty eight point over under, I would guess. <laughs> and you would smash the under
2: completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we've had a quick question in the chat. This is one more for you, Kevin, but um he's talking about speaking of playing in Munich, obviously you're out near that way, uh, do you have an ideal matchup that you'd like for the locale over there and which teams are the most popular
1: if ever? For for the NFL you mean? Yeah, for the NFL. Yeah, so <sighs> I mean, like, if, if you're trying to grow the game at the end of the day, you're going to want to see high scoring, high flying out. Like, the ideal matchup is, is anybody who watched the playoffs is you would send the Chiefs and the Bills out there. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> if, if you really are serious, if the NFL is really serious about doing this European thing, that would be the thing you're going to do now in reality they're going to send it it's going to be the jets and the titans or something but i i think um yeah you would love to see the bills you would love to see the chargers you would love to see one of these young up-and-coming quarterbacks with the high-flying offense but the nfl you know you guys are in the uk you know the games that they've sent to london every year with the jaguars being the staple and they're 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 really excited to send somebody out there, but they're not really putting their money with the, where their mouth is. Which which teams are actually going out there?
2: Yeah, I, I think I'd agree. Like you say, you do want to send the teams out there that will create a lot of excitement. I know some of the games we got this year in the UK were a little bit damp squibby, but hopefully we get some better ones this year. We're told the Saints are coming, but this is a year when the Saints are just yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> this the is Saints when they'll send the Saints. We, we, we're gonna we're gonna be getting you know no one at quarterback, <coughs> and they're going to have to cut half their team against the they're 70 million over the cap. So, and, and Michael Thomas will probably be injured. So, you know, yeah. it's, you do want some of these better teams out here, and of course we want the Lions, but yeah, we'll have to wait. We should have got them the year before last, but,
1: you know. Hopefully. We were out there, what, back in like 20, 2016, 2017, I can't remember, it was a few years ago now.
2: It would have been 16, yeah. won't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. 16. Well, no.
2: Yeah, it, it's been a few years now. The long overdue return, especially with Dan Campbell. They just you know, I just want to go and hug the guy. It's so amazing, bless him. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll move it back to the draft chatter again. So yeah, nothing from Northwestern, really. You're not going to hear anyone called unless, as Ryan says, you're watching the USFL draft. Um, <laughs> next up, the team that everybody hates, Ohio State and, of course, They're sending a lot of players there this year, and you have to start off with the the first-round guys there. They're definitely, well, one of them certainly will be, one should be, the wide receiver core, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. I love Garrett Wilson. He was one of my players to watch this year. I just love every aspect of his game, the way he plays. He's just dangerous at all three levels, and obviously Chris Olave is just a... A wonder to himself. I mean, they were part of the triumvirate that absolutely destroyed the Big Ten after Ohio lost that first game last year. They never looked back. I mean, I guess you'd be glad to get rid of those two, but you know they're going to have others waiting in the wings. Obviously, Smith and well, now is going to... Yeah, win. I was going to say, gonna the worst part is
1: be... <laughs> yeah, the best one is still coming back. So,
2: <laughs> But they are a pair of incredibly talented receivers who are going to go high, and rightly so
1: yeah garrett wilson is is my favorite of the two um he he was somebody that throughout the season I was thinking this would be a an absolute run to the podium pick for the lions if he was there for the rams pick and then as the Rams went on the playoff run, you started realizing that. Well, by the time we're going to be drafting, he's going to be off the board. Um, So unfortunately, that's probably not going to be a reality for us. But uh, Chris Olave, uh, I think he would be a really good consolation prize because he's just a really, really, really good receiver. And that's just he's a really good route runner. He's got really good hands. He's pretty good after the catch as well. Um, he's, he's not going to wow you with athleticism. His combine numbers are going to be, you know, they're not going to be DK Metcalf or something, but he's just a really good wide receiver who you're going to look back 10 years from now after he's had eight 1,200-yard seasons, and you're like, man, how does, how does this guy keep producing? And, and he's just a, a pretty special player in that way. He had one catch against Michigan State, Um, I I try to forget that game because it was 49 to nothing at halftime. Uh, Yeah, at halftime. But he had this over-the-shoulder catch against Michigan State that was just ridiculous. And I have no idea how he tracked the ball and contorted his body and kept himself in bounds. But if you're looking at Chris Olave and thinking, well, he's a good player, but what's the ceiling? Go watch that play. It's it's absolutely special. So he should be a first-round player as well.
2: Yeah, just before before Ryan gets on there, just the, the receiver stats from that day, i got them up, I have to. Chris Olave went 7 for 140 and two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson went 7 for 126 and two touchdowns. And Smith and Chigba went 10 for 105 yards and a touchdown.
1: <laughs> and they pretty much, they pulled the dogs off at halftime too. That, that could have been, they could have put up. They could have scored whatever they wanted. If they wanted 80, they could have scored 80. If they wanted 90, they could have scored 90. I, I really believe that, unfortunately. That was a tough day.
2: Well, I mean, going into it, I mean, you were undefeated. You'd just beaten the Wolverines, I bet... Yeah, that must have, like you say that must have been really tough given the season yeah. you had to that
1: point. You know, Cuz I mean we were banged up, you know, we had some injuries and we we knew, you know, the point spread was something like uh it was it was close to 20. And we knew that the reality was we weren't going to really hang with them, but nobody expected it to be that bad. And I was sitting watching with my girlfriend, it was one of her first, like, full games that she was going to watch of the season. She had watched the Michigan game, and, you know, she said, well, you know, you guys are good. You know, you got to give yourself a chance. And, uh, you know, every time she looked up, it was, you know, oh, they scored again? Oh, they scored again? It, this seems really fast. They scored again? <laughs> it, was, it was tough, man. It was, it was really, really hard.
2: Oh, you, you don't have that problem, do you, Ryan? Thankfully, Lorraine doesn't watch Arizona State with you.
3: <laughs> no, no one watches them because they don't kick off till three thirty. So, uh, yeah, Pac twelve. That's the uh, well. Two things about the Pac twelve: it sucks, and it's even worse than the UK. <laughs> oh
2: dear. Um. So yeah, right. What do you make the t- the two Ohio State wide receivers? Obviously, both incredibly talented.
3: Yeah, I think Garrett Wilson probably just takes the edge as the uh, the front runner there. I don't expect to be anywhere near him draft board. <clears throat> I think it we be by twenty. I think he'll probably. Be uh, probably the first receiver off the board I imagine and then you'll get a quick flow of them in succession Olave I think is a, say, a less less athletic version but maybe a better finisher more production in the end zone like I say he won't light up the draft boards he won't put up huge numbers but I mean like speed wise agility jumping but he lets his player do all the talking he'll let everything just watch his film that'll all tell you everything you need to know about him I think we'll be in contention at 32 or 34. And I think if he does land there, I think it's hard to really pass him by because he's someone that could elevate this game. We have a very needing a deep threat. We need someone that's able to get in behind guys and you take that shot, money shot down towards the end zone. He brings that to you, so he's going to certainly be at play at 32, 34 if he even gets that far.
2: Definitely. Um... We Two times has come into the comments. What up, Doe? What up, Doe? To you. Also calls Dombo the Duke of Detroit. Well, you can both be dukes. You're both listening to us here, and we really appreciate that. There. Um, so yeah, that, that's just the two main guys coming from our state. There. You've got lots of others. Obviously, the other receiving threat you've got, and Ryan, I know me and you are not high on him whatsoever. I don't know whether you're a bit different, Kevin, but Jeremy Rook at the high end. Uh, yeah. R- Ryan's Ryan's remarks say, "Oh, we're not high on him." Not sure he's going to do very well come draft time.
1: He's good, not great. Yeah, somebody will pick him in the fifth round and, and he'll be a second or third string tight end for somebody.
2: Mm, yeah, agreed there. Um, so, amongst the latitude of other players they've got here, you've got the running back, Master Teague. No, he got a hundred yards against you as well, didn't he? Like, <laughs> who didn't? <laughs> <laughs> that game, anyhow. Specifically, that was a bad one there. But you got the defensive tackles Haskell Garrett and Antoine Jackson, cornerback Demario McCall. You got the safety Marcus Williamson, who I know got himself in a lot of hot water. Cause the day after the season finished, he turned around and said, "Ohio hey, oh, State fans have no football IQ whatsoever." I know that didn't go down well with them. Then you've got the offensive tackle pair, Tyre Munford and Nicholas petit Frere, And then you've got the defensive end, Tyreek Smith as well. Um, Kevin, who, who stands out, out of that group there? Is there any guys you do quite like in there you think are going to do well in this draft?
1: Yeah, Haskell Garrett is a stud. If, if the Lions didn't double dip on defensive tackles last year, I think he would be somebody Dan Gamble would love. But uh, no, he's he's going to be a really good player. He's a penetrating defensive tackle that I think you know a lot of NFL teams are looking for now. Um, He was he was the best player on Ohio State's defense last year, pretty clearly, consistently the whole year. Ryan, I agree. Austin, so we
3: actually Mark Haskell to Lions. I think he was at like thirty-two. I think we used our second first rounder on him. I agree. I don't want to go. I've seen a lot of people debating it. I don't want to go defensive line in the first round. I know we can get upgrades, but we took double dip last year. I know he's great on that interior, trying to get generate pressure, but I'm not ready to give uh, give up on Levi just yet. Like I say, I know some people, sounds like they already have, but him and at Liam, But he'd be a good player, but I kind of want to stay away from him. I think defensive back class-wise, this has got to be one of the worst Crops for Ohio State for years. I don't see any get defensive back game drafted this year for Ohio State, and uh, you don't often say that.
2: No, I, I I probably agree with you there. You say you're probably going to see him late on day three, if anything. But I mean, you know, when you had that offense there last year, I mean, you don't really need a defense when your offense is putting up fifty odd points a game or whatever stupid thing it was, do you? So <laughs> it's one of those. So we'll move on then from Ohio State, and then we'll move to the other state. We'll go to Penn State. And now, Penn State, now this is a potentially a loaded class, one of maybe the most loaded classes coming <coughs> out of the big ten and obviously the the highlight reel here, especially on the offensive side of the ball anyhow you 've got Jahan Dotson wide receiver, a draft crush of many many alliance fan. I know you 'll know him pretty well from this year, Kevin, he got a hundred and 37 yards and a couple of touchdowns there against you. But, I mean, this guy, just in terms of his ability to run routes, even though he's a bit undersized, he's just, he's just a very skilled technician who just gets so much in the way of production. He's got 2,800 yards, 25 touchdowns in college. He's got a rush touchdown, a punt return touchdown. He started doing more special teams works over the last few years. This, this kid could potentially be something very special. At the end of the first or maybe the start of the second round
1: yeah and and going back to what we mentioned with uh with somebody else he did that with sean clifford at quarterback which is even more impressive (laughs) um no Dotson is one of my favorite players in the draft he's he's a really special player before the catch he's really great route runner and after the catch he gets even more dynamic with the ball in his hands I would love to see Jahan Dotson in Detroit. I think him and, and Amon Ra would be an awesome wide receiver combination.
2: Would you give the 32 for him?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't think twice about it.
2: Ryan?
3: No. see, I'm, I'm not convinced his game at the next level will make him an out-and-out one, and I want to spend the first round on a, on a, a wide receiver that is a He's a true wide receiver. One, I think he'd be a great complementary piece, and I agree. <coughs> Savvy root runner, he's got that niftiness, hits the hole well, he uh picks his timing very well. Like, I say, also offers the return but a bit too rich for game for two picks later. I'll take him at 34, but I, I've i got him at those that high end of the wide receivers. But there's guys I just want before him, like, I say, I, I want someone yeah. with a bigger frame. Like I say the frame for me is just not quite there,
1: and that's what holds him back. He's a, he's a great one v, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I, th- I think that's fair, but you know, I tell Kevin, I think that he's um, that that he's going to be a very good prospect there. So you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see what we see from him there. But I mean, he's not the only guy who you don't kind of know where to pin from this Penn State lineup. But they're going to be damn good. I mean, we've been we've not really talked about linebackers so much, but you know, Penn State love a good linebacker, they love a good defender in general they make them, you know, every single year there, and obviously on the linebacking core, you've got Brandon Smith, so he's one of the guys who's on Feldman's freaks list, you know, just athletically so gifted there that, you know, they say his ceiling is ridiculously high if he can reach that, Um, but you've never really seen him dominate at the college level to the degrees you would like for a guy who's got that sort of ceiling. But I mean, he has the potential to be a hella good linebacker and the next big thing from Penn State. But again, some people have said he's a first round pick. Is that maybe a bit too rich there? Do you think maybe he can, that he is worth that or that you have to wait a little longer?
1: I I don't think he's a first round pick. He's he's gotten the Isaiah Simmons comparison, right? That just really versatile. He can play safety. You could put him off the edge. He can play linebacker. He can cover. The problem is, like you said, he just hasn't shown it enough. And uh, you know, he's he's a really gifted athlete, but hasn't been consistent enough in coverage, and hasn't been consistent enough in his run fits and uh you know i think somebody's definitely going to take a shot on him because i don't know what penn state puts in the water up there but the amount of kids that they go through that run four 440s at 240 pounds like he's going to be another one of those just freaky athletes to add to jason Oway and saquon barkley and and micah parsons and all of these guys that they have every year But he's just not polished enough at that spot to be a first-round pick. And and even Isaiah Simmons has struggled in the NFL, and he was a lot more polished, I think, coming out of Clemson than than Smith is coming out of Penn State.
2: Do you agree with that assessment of Smith, Ryan?
3: Oh, yeah, the Isaiah Simmons comparison puts me off. That scares me. I don't want these unpolished gadget guys. Like, say, Simmons has not found a role in the NFL. For two years now, he's... He's struggled immensely, and all the Lions fans were really upset when we didn't take him at three. But so far, that's not been justified. I agree that he's not a first-round player, but he will go in the first round because I think he will test off the charts. He will put massive numbers. He'll do a Byron Jones, and he will inflate his draft stock immensely. Anyone that wears, wears eight bicep bands has got to be good. <laughs> I right, say so when you dress like he does on the field, you have to be elite. We know how good he is, but... He's just not put it into raw numbers and he's not dominated any physical performances yet. There's a player in there, but that's too rich for my blood when it's going to take a little bit of work to get it out. Great second rounder though. If you see him in the second round, I think he could be really good potential.
2: Yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree with you there. Um, just quickly going back to the receiver thing. Joey in the chat says it doesn't have to be a big wide receiver. I reckon someone like Jalen Tolbert or Romeo Dobbs? you know, 6'2", 200 pounds, you know, they might go well, but he wouldn't take them until pick 66. I I don't know if some of these guys are going to be there at pick 66. I feel like there's going to be a real run on receivers, especially at the start of the second round. But, oh, God. Christian
1: Watkins is a guy in that mold that I'm really curious about. I like him a lot.
2: Oh, the North Dakota State one. Yeah. Ryan loves him. Ryan was watching the FCS playoffs very, very carefully, and, and he absolutely adores him, don't you, Ryan? I do,
3: yeah, he is just a monster on the outside. And he he is so deceivingly fast for such a big frame. And I saw his measurements as well. He's already been he's already been measured. He lived up to it as well. Like say he's like 6'4", 2, 210, 215. He's to put a little bit of weight on, but tracks the ball incredibly well. Like say he is a good home run deep threat. And he's got nice soft hands as well when the ball comes in. He's gonna go, I think, in the second round.
2: Yeah, there is going to be a massive run of wide receivers in the second round, I feel, this year. There's just that many guys in that area that have just the potential to be so great. Teams are going to go for them quite early, but um, you know we'll see with that. Uh, moving back on to the Penn State prospects, obviously, we mentioned they love to churn out defenders like there's no tomorrow. We've seen Brandon Smith, one of the big guys there, but the the two other big prospects they've got there, and one that could potentially be in play for us if we don't go Kyle Hamilton, That's Jaquan Brisker, the safety, Ryan. I'll come to you first on him in a second, because I know you absolutely, you'd love him as well. He's a three-year guy from there, 150 tackles, 10 for a loss, five interceptions, 14 passes defended, fumble recovery, former Juco transfer. He's also on the Feldman's Freaks list. As Kevin said, they put something silly in the water there that just makes them athletically different. I mean, I've got him down as sort of, he's Hamilton light. He can do pretty much everything you need him to, to an incredibly good level, but Hamilton just does everything at an elite level. And, you know, you're going to get a great player out there. And then the other one who has got a lot of love, especially these last few weeks, we go back to defensive end. You've got Arnold Ebikiti, three years at Temple, transferred to Penn State this year. His season, 12 games, 62 tackles, 18 tackles for a loss, nine and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, pass defended, you know... this is a guy who's part of this edge class at the start of the second, end of the first. Where there's so many tantalizing prospects, but I mean, Ryan, I'll move on to you. Defensive prospects from Penn State. That there are some class ones here this year. Not top ten guys, but they're going to be incredibly good.
3: Oh yeah, is right on the cusp of the end of the first, start of the second. I think we'll you'll see him gone within the first few picks of the second round. The uh, He's had an injury concern because of how he plays. Like you say, he's a hard hitter. I've seen him when I watched him. Looks a bit like Tracy Walker. Sometimes doesn't take his own safety into regard. Comes down like a heat-seeking missile. But in the open field, he's really hard to shake off. He takes really good angles. He wraps up really well. Thumps when he needs to. He's a good box safety, like you say. And he's got the interceptions as well. If you push him back or ask him to go to an island at the back, I think he'll do real well. He's my, he's my second safety. Like I say I think I would very much. I'd be very comfortable taking him at thirty-four. I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level. He's he's more physical than Hamilton. I think.
2: Kevin, I mean, what are your thoughts on those two, Kevin? I mean, they're just again two really good defensive prospects coming from Penn State. There's just something they do there, isn't there, that creates these really great guys all over.
1: It's ridiculous, man. Um, now Brisker, I like him a lot. But you go back and watch. I, I was watching the Wisconsin game. It was it was week one. It was a huge matchup, and he he hurt his. I want to say his shoulder, like pretty early on in the game. And the guy is just clearly a warrior, man. Like it, he was still making plays. Very clearly pay, playing hurt you know, he would go in, make a tackle, and then get up and and very clearly be injured, but he's, he's not somebody that's going to take himself out of a game. Um, I think, you know, if he came out last year, he would be a clear number one safety in the class, but unfortunately, like you said, Kyle Hamilton's in this class, so it's it's a tough draw for him, but I, I like him a lot. Um, Ebikide is, is another guy that's just Again, he's going to test really well. Uh, He's going to be a pretty explosive guy coming off the edge. Um, The other guy off off the other side was um, Jesse Lucchetta, who was a really good player, too. He's got some versatility to his game that they they moved him around quite a bit, um, who who I like a lot, too. But, yeah, Brisker, uh, Ibekide, these are – you know, early second round type of players that, that I'd be surprised if they slipped past, you know, basically the end of the second.
2: And like you say, Luke Cates in the draft. They've got Ellis Brooks, another linebacker in the draft. Tariq Castro-Fields at cornerback, they've got in the draft as well. There's, um, there's just a ridiculous amount of defensive talent there. I mean, I know, again, we did the cornerback class, Ryan, and Castro-Fields is up there as well. He's no slouch.
3: No, if I remember, he's quite big as well. I think he's got a big frame as well. He reminds me of a bit of Armani or a warrior. He's got that strong frame. Like I say, he's not a slouch. He's pretty good off the line. I think uh, I think he's mainly man coverage, if I remember rightly. I think that's what Penn State like to play a lot of. So it would be good to see him, like I say, a strong line of scrimmage. He had a pretty good senior ball. Like I say, even though we got what we thought were the lesser corners, I think he's someone that will go day two, day three, but there's a lot to work with there. As you say, we should be drug testing Penn State every year because their defenders are just brilliant.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, fully agree with that one. And ending out their draft class, uh, you've got Derek Tangelo, the defensive tackle, and then you've got their punter, Jordan Stout, because hashtag special teams matter. But you're going to hear Penn State called very often this season. If if you're looking
1: for a punter, that kid is unbelievable. I, I'm not like everything he, he touched was it, it. They played against Michigan State in basically a blizzard whiteout. And it was just our punter was struggling. Our kicking game was struggling. He was putting everything inside the five. He's, he's going to be an NFL starting punter. No question.
2: Unfortunately for us, punters probably the one position we can (laughs) we can safely say that we're all right at. But yeah, if if you're a fan of punters in the draft, on Kevin's recommendation, Jordan Stout, the Penn State, he's unbelievable. Yeah, keep an eye out for him because I think more punters and kickers are going to start getting drafted in the future. It seems it seems to be heading that way, anyhow. Um, But moving out of Penn State, move on to Purdue. Not a lot going on here. Two big guys though, who they've got coming in. They're both potentially first round guys. One definitely is, if not the other, maybe in the early second. But you've got the edge and my draft crush, or one of them. George Karlaftis, I will die on this hill to this day. He is the best edge rusher in this class. and (coughs) I don't want to hear anything against it. I'm doing a video review of him. That's going to be coming out this weekend. I absolutely love the guy. I think he's got the best pass rushing arsenal in this class. And I think it's going to translate to the next level against some of the other guys who win with two fewer methods and are going to get found out at the NFL level. But, you know, that's just my thing there. And then another favorite of ours, the wide receiver, David Bell. 3,000 receiving yards pretty much in college from 232 receptions, 21 touchdowns. Probably the most technically gifted wide receiver in this draft out of a lot of them, especially when it comes to his route running. They engineer so many touches for him there that he has to have the route tree to be able to keep things fresh with them. So, you know, not the biggest class this one, Kevin from Purdue, but these two are two high-level, high-quality players.
1: I know that uh, one, one of my good friends, Jeffrey the Greek, uh, on Twitter, he's, he's a great follow if anybody's looking for, like, Big Ten uh, content. He, he's an Iowa football fan. He's a former Iowa football player, and he couldn't be happier that David Bell's gone. Like, we just talked about how good the Iowa secondary is. Like, the only thing I need to say about David Bell, he played three games against Iowa in his career. Uh, The first one, he went 13 catches for 197 yards and a touchdown. The second time, he went 13 catches for 121 yards and three touchdowns. And last year, he went for 11 catches, 240 yards and a touchdown uh, against that Iowa secondary that, you know, we talk about the NFL guys coming out every year. David Bell is, is a stun.
2: I feel like that's probably more than every other receiver that's played against them combined.
1: It's got to be up there, yeah.
2: Oh, dear. Ryan, what do you reckon of these two here? I know you're a massive fan of Bell.
3: I'm a massive fan of Bell. Now, he's got a ceiling. He's kind of like Dotson. He's a 1B. So he will not go in the first round. I think he's a second round guy. I was going to refer to anyone that wants to watch him, go watch the Iowa game. Single handedly, him and Aiden O'Connell shredded that defense. He's one of the best route runners in the draft. He works a lot in the slot, like a lot of the times he'd hit them on the wheel route, so he'd be going out, he'd fake it outwards, and then he'd burn around the corner upfield. I think he did that for at least one of the touchdowns. Like I say, he'd use him on jet sweeps, so he'd take pass catches in the motion, he'd get jet, He'd get tosses from the quarterback. Like I say, so you'll motion him across the front and line of scrimmage, keep the defense honest, technically very sound. He's got a He's got a lean frame at like 6'1", 6'2", so he's not the biggest guy out there. He's not the strongest, but he's very technically gifted. I think he'll be one of those guys that flies off in the second round. Had a great year in a Purdue team. I loved watching him. They were one of my favourite teams in the whole conference to watch this year because they put up some great performances even when they lost. So he's someone that's certainly going to have to be, keep an eye on this year. And Karl Aftis, as you say, a terror on the outside. He's up there in conversation, one of the best edges, technically very gifted, very stout. He's very patient as well. Like I say, he doesn't rush. Practices well, knows what he's best at. He's got a good, strong size, good built frame, good lower body. So I think he's going to be someone, like I say, that will go a lot higher than he does in our job. Going to go, that's for sure. I expect him to be a top, 15, top 10 to 15 guy, probably edge three off the board.
2: Well, I I mean, I wanted to ask Kevin this, because like you say, we've enjoyed watching Purdue this year, and one of the reasons why is, like, Aidan O'Connell has just become an incredibly gifted quarterback. I mean, he threw for about 550 yards, I know, against you guys, MSU, Bell got 200 plus yards, but I think he's been one of the nice surprises this year. You didn't really take much of a look at Purdue to start with, and then you thought, oh, their defense is doing really well, but actually their quarterback, he's playing really damn well.
1: Yeah. And, and their quarterback or their, sorry, their head coach is a uh, former quarterback. He's a really good developer of quarterbacks, Jeff Brom. So Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that I think could, the problem is he doesn't have that elite arm. Right. And, and a lot of, you know, when we look at projecting you to the next level, that's going to be <laughs> his biggest problem, but you know, he, he is really good at dissecting a defense and, and knowing where his guys are going to be. And, you know the the nice thing for him is he's been able to count on David Bell being open pretty much every play. Like you go through the David Bell game logs and how many catches he has every game, it's it's like ten plus every week for three years.
2: Yeah, obviously it's it's how does he adapt now to his favorite weapon being gone? I heard you were going to have to come up with somebody who's going to be able to, or at least probably going to be two or three guys who have to replicate that sort of production there. But you know. As far as this season has gone, it's been an absolute pleasure to watch them. Um, in terms of the rest of Purdue's class, I could only find their fullback, Sander Horvath. He's going in there. He's we'll... good. Oh, okay. He's really good. Okay. Um, tell us that. What, what, what makes him stand out There, I, I didn't think anyone would really know there, but go, <laughs> go for
3: it. He is an awesome receiving threat. He was also like the second weapon. If you go to the Tennessee ridiculous ball game... He makes a phenomenal one-handed catch where he makes a big adjustment. He has got really soft hands. He's got sticky fingers. He's pretty agile. So if for a fullback, he looks like a tight end. I think at the next level, he's someone that could get picked up and work his way on a roster. But he's a really good receiving threat. And when he's asked to protect Hidden O'Connell say in the pocket, he's a good picking up the blitz, picking up blockers as well. He made some really big catches this year in some of the crucial wins. Like I say, he has got a really good adjustment when the passes aren't just right. I've seen him go over the shoulder. I've seen him go back one-handed. There's one where I think he dives into the end zone and scoops up one-handed. I think it's the Tennessee Bowl game where he plays a really good game because Bell didn't play at all. And like I said, they still had a huge performance on the day.
2: Okay. right. Well, in that case, we've got two very good prospects there from Purdue and potentially a, a surprise fullback in there as well. So we'll we'll see where he gets drafted. Um, So we're down to our last couple of teams now. So we come to Rutgers, and they're going to get oh. slightly more air time. Can we pass them? They're going to get a, a tiny bit more air time than Northwestern. Not very many. There's just one guy really in here. We had him in the senior bowl, the wide receiver, Bo Melton. Um, he's got 2,000 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns. He's got a couple of rush touchdowns. He's been used as a back more, and he's got a pump return touchdown as well. He works in special teams. That's that's pretty good production for being on such a bad team. I mean, I couldn't even tell you who their quarterback was, out of thing, and you know, but he's gonna get himself drafted, and rightly so. But this this is about it for Rutgers, I'd say.
1: Yeah, and he'll get drafted. He's a he's a fun player, like you said. He's he's played on terrible offenses. Uh, his whole career there, but um, no, he's really good after the after the catch. One of those guys that you just try to get the ball in his hands with screens, with jet sweeps, uh, with quick passes. Just get the ball in his hands, and, and he's a pretty fun player. So he'll get drafted, he'll make a roster, and, and probably make some noise later on in his career.
3: Yeah, unfortunately for him, as you say, the Scarlet Knights are they the worst in the conference? I think they might be. I think yeah. they might be the worst team. Yeah, they are. They are so hard to watch. Like I say, so he has had nothing to work with for most of his career. And I agree. Getting him the ball behind the line of scrimmage where it's easiest, fast balls, pitch him it. like I say, and then just let him go to work. Let him ease himself into the game and then expand his route tree a bit deeper. But if you get him on like tunnel screens, get big guys out blocking for him, I expect he will make his way downfield He'll make a guy miss. He will get some touchdowns at the next level and returner. Anyone that wants to put him on, he will definitely be one of the first in line to return kicks and punts as well because he's got that he's got speed when he hits the hole. He knows what he's doing in that regard. He knows how to uh come back, cut. Say so he'll you'll see him do a spin move, he'll try hurdle a guy, he'll do anything he can at the next level I'm sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully he does get his chance to, to be on a semi decent team there just just out of course who is their quarterback i can't think about it i'm drawing a blank
1: it was uh vedral noah vedral. Oh of course it was nobody to write home about <laughs>
2: no no um absolutely uh, right so last team uh, we've made our way through all the conference we're down now to wisconsin and here you're looking Primarily at some of the defensive options, and the two to look out for here are the inside linebacker duo, Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn. I mean, these guys are blitz central when it comes to linebackers. Leo Chanel, his 2021, he's got 115 tackles, 18.5 for a loss, which is first in the Big Ten. No one got more tackles for loss than he did. Eight sacks, two forced fumbles. And Jack Sanborn, not really far behind, 89 tackles, 16 for a loss, five sacks, a fumble recovery. So between them, that's about 35 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks. You know, you can tell primarily here what Wisconsin do with their linebackers, which is hunt down (coughs) position quarterbacks.
1: Leo Chanel, I think, is everything that people wanted Zach Bond to be. Uh, was that two years ago? He is so much fun to watch. Uh, he, hes It's not just, you know, um, design blitzes that get him home. He's a pretty good pass rusher in his own right when, when he gets squared up one-on-one on an offensive lineman. Uh, but he can get out there in space and, and cover a running back or a tight end. He can make plays in the running game. I think he's versatile enough that he can fit into just about any scheme that you ask him to. And, uh, man, he, he was a fun player to watch this year. Ryan. Yeah, I'd like the Lions to take a, maybe
3: take a punt on Leo Chanel. Like, say, 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. He will adjust depending on what you ask him to do and what you ask him to be. If you want to put him on the outside and use him in uh, situational pass rushing downs, Or if you just want to call his number, dial up a blitz. He's got the agility. He's got uh, the downright. He's got speed in a straight line. He will get through the hole. And if he doesn't get the sack, at least he gets the pressure. He's someone that generates pressure, works really well in the box. But when needed to, he'll come meet a guy in the hole. Might not always finish him off, but he'll stand him up and work in support. He works really well as a pair. Him and Sambon really got the best out of one another. So you kind of want someone established with him. He works best in a duo, so he might work best in a three-four where he's got two might backers, let's say on a point somewhere. So it might not be the best for the Lions, let's say, I mean, unless we want to change the defensive front. But I think it's someone that can learn to uh, get the green dot, and let's say he's got the IQ to one day call players.
2: Yeah, definitely. say a pair of you know guys who have really given a lot of production, especially this year. So teams are going to be. Really interested in them. There, rounding out their class, you've got the defensive end Matt Henningsen, You've got offensive lineman Logan Bruss, and then also you've got the tight end Jake Ferguson, who projects to be one of the, you know, first taken tight ends in this class. I mean, he's got about 1,600 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns in his time there. You know, he's a good receiving threat, but he's also a pretty, pretty beefy guy when it comes to blocking as well. I mean, would. I think you said you'd take him, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm not so keen on him, but I think you are,
3: aren't you, Ryan? I am, yeah, because he's one of the better blockers in the class. Wisconsin, for years now, run heavy team. They've not always been that gifted at quarterback in the passing game, so they've had to rely on using him as an inline tight end, blocking, running out behind him, or getting him to the next level, shedding blocks, like I say. So he's someone that does the dirty work first, but then shows flashes in the receiving game. He's got a big he's got a good frame. He's like six four, two fifty, I think, something like that. So he's got that nice frame you look for. So you can expand his passing route, But for what the Lions need, a good blocking tight end. He offers what we need first. Everything else is just there to work on. I think you can work on him as he make a very solid tight end two option.
2: Mm, I'm I'm really struggling at the minute with this. Obviously I give up a second for Trey McBride at the minute and I know I shouldn't, but I think he does everything really well, and outside of that, I don't know. These tight ends—it's a weird one. Is there anyone else you like out of that lot, Kevin?
1: No, I I do like Ferguson. He's a pretty natural receiver. He's got good hands. Uh, There was a clip that was going around the Senior Bowl. There was a catch he made in the back of the end zone that was pretty impressive. Uh, But his whole career, I mean, he's been a solid. You know, like Ryan said, really solid blocker. But I I think his receiving is a little bit underrated. Um, I think. I wouldn't be completely shocked in the right situation if he came out and had a at friarmouth esque season that kind of sneaky has a few touchdown grabs has four or 500 yards and people get pretty excited about because you know, you, you send him out on a, a, a play action coming across the formation. Like you know he's not Kyle Pitts, but he could be Pat Fryermoth. I I really like Jake Ferguson.
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly agreed. So uh, yeah, that is that is all the teams there that are kind of all the guys who were who were coming up uh, to the draft here. Obviously, some teams are contributing a lot, some teams are not. Obviously, it's a hard cycle for college teams when the NFL draft comes around. Obviously, losing the abundance of talent there, but just. Going through all the guys we've gone through, maybe whether it's the whole one's going to leave behind or the whole lot leaves behind. I mean, you see teams like LSU, even them, big teams, a couple of years ago, the draft rinsed them of talent. They've not recovered since. Who do you think suffers the most in the Big Ten this year out of the classes that they're losing to the draft?
1: That's a good question. Probably Penn State because it's all of coming on the same side of the ball. Right. A a lot of the teams, they're they're kind of spread some offensive guys, some defensive guys. And you can kind of replace it a little bit. But Penn State's losing damn near their whole defense. And they're losing their defensive coordinator who went to take a head job at Virginia Tech. Uh, Penn State's going to be in a pretty tough spot to rebound. Uh, You know, when you lose that many defensive players and you're returning one of the the worst quarterbacks in the conference you know you you hope that your offense can kind of make up for the lack of of defensive players coming back they're going to be in a tough spot the obvious answer would be Purdue just because they're not a school that typically puts out high level you know second first round picks and when you have two of them coming out in one class uh, they're going to be in a really tough spot but it's it's you know, nothing against Purdue, but it's not a new place for Purdue to be in a tough spot. <laughs> Penn State, this this might be a pretty rough year for them coming up because they're always going to have a tough schedule. Um, I know they go to Auburn this year on the road in addition to playing in the Big Ten. So it, it could be a down year for them, especially on defense.
2: You talk about schedules there. I bet you just hated it when you saw Michigan's this year. What nine home games in thirteen or something? It's
1: they do this. They do this every year. Um, it's it's not a huge surprise that you know it's it damn near every year that it's like mid October before the first time that they leave home, um, and then their non conference games are just an absolute joke. They're playing like UConn. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's 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 a yearly occurrence for them. It's nothing new.
2: Oh, Yukon. Oh, I remember we hyped up the Yukon UMass worst game in forever game this year <laughs> and it, it it lived up to expectations. But I'll well, go to you now, Ryan. Who do you see as suffering the most out of this you know, the draft classes they're losing this year for the big ten?
3: See I think Michigan are gonna struggle. I say how do you how do you it's fine losing like one defensive end but when you lose Hutchinson and DiGiabo, and then you lose maybe Dax Hill, like I say, and you've got uh, Hawkins, like I say, you're losing the spine of a defence, which their offence at times did stir. Because when they swapped out JJ McCarthy, Kane, Matt Namara, they lost a lot of movement at times on of offence. So they were, their defence was their one constant thing they had to work on. And I know they had another back, like I say, working with Haskins and Tan but I feel like losing the core of that team there. He's gonna hurt. They're gonna feel the sting a bit next year. I say they might be able to mask over that with a a pretty good schedule where they'll still be able to get by. But I expect for a, they're gonna be grinding in some new guys in the year. I expect the pass rush to be a lot weaker next year. You are not see the huge. They're gonna have quarterbacks more comfortable in the pocket when they're playing them. It's not gonna be harassed every week by the this defense that's still uh, gelling in for a year. Uh, let's you Go back to Wednesday. I agree. Their brand of football, his defence, their offence, is <clears throat> really painful to watch. The Auburn game this year, like I say, this was supposed to be two teams that can run, pound the ball and play defence. It was not pretty at all. Like say, I think James Franklin's on a really hot seat as well. He can't have a bad year, even though he's got all this money in that contract. I worry for him, so he's got big pieces to replace there. And, like I say, Clifford, he doesn't inspire you. He's not someone that can take a game by the scruff of the neck and overcome a, a bad shoddy defense because they don't always score that many points. They're another offense where if you get twenty five to thirty points out of them, that's pretty good on most weeks. So they'll struggle.
1: They're you, they're bringing in Penn State, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Recruiting, yeah, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a true freshman. So can he take the job right away? But that'll be, you know, something interesting to follow.
3: Yeah, it's good. I like saying Purdue. Jack Purdue, I don't feel too bad about because there's no expectations. And they've already got their new receiver one. I think he's called Kentrell Sheffield. He was there last year as the number two. He was so fun to watch. He made a ridiculous catch in that Tennessee game, too. He's going to take that spot straight away. O'Connell, feel good about him. Jeff Brown, nice guy, good coach. They play for him, so I think they'll be okay. But yeah, Michigan and Penn State, they're going to struggle.
2: Yeah, I think. I think I I'd, I'd lean maybe just with Kevin on this one. I think like he, I agree. Losing so many aspects on that defense is tough. Although if anyone's gonna make guys just as quick, it might be them. But as I say, they're also losing wide receiver one, which doesn't help them. Especially when, as I say, Clifford is there. But say, there's a new quarterback. He may not even have a job this year. So it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting conference to watch. Let's say. And now I'm. So that's everything in terms of the, the, the draft class from the Big Ten, and uh, God, I didn't think it would go on that long, we have gone on for quite some time, but hopefully people are a lot a lot more informed about some of the guys coming up now from here, now see, we're going to take a look at maybe a little bit of the, uh, the future in the Ten, we'll probably have to spend a little less time on this than I anticipated, but... Um, <laughs> We'll we'll probably have a look at some of the bigger acquisitions and maybe have a few thoughts on the end, and then we'll uh, we'll get it wrapped up so people can go back to back to their lives after all this time on here. But you know, I've been listening to your podcast, Kevin. Now your last few, you've you've just done deep dives. Well, not deep dives, but you've just done sort of your recruitment classes on the offense and the defense, sort of the depth there. So you know, we'll start it off with you again, um, Michigan State. What would you make of their class? for next year? And, you know, have have they really been able to, you know, improve in the areas you want them to and have a good steady side? Obviously I do know some of the answers, but you know, go for it. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a pretty exciting group. Um, Mark D'Antonio, the previous coach, the, the problem with him was the recruiting kind of took a step down and, and Mel Tucker came in and really revitalized that part of the program right away. And you're starting to see that with this recruiting class coming in. There's a couple really good wide receivers. Uh, Jeremy Bernard is, is a name you're going to keep an eye on. He's he's a big, athletic kid uh, out of Nevada near Las Vegas. Uh, there's a couple defensive backs that are going to be really exciting. And um, yeah, it's it's a pretty good group. I, I think as Mel Tucker kind of establishes himself, he's going to keep. Uh, bringing in more and more talent. The the thing to keep an eye on, too, is now you have recruiting and the transfer portal. And the transfer portal, we're bringing in, you know, we're losing Kenneth Walker, but we're bringing in two running backs, one from Wisconsin, who is uh, a running back factory over there, um, Jalen Berger, who's going to step into a pretty big role right away. And then later on in the cycle, we brought in Jarek Broussard. He's a running back from Colorado. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2020. So he's going to come in. Those two are probably going to be a one-two punch. Um, so, you know, it's not just the recruiting. It's the transfer portal now. It's it's even for us who live and breathe this stuff, it's kind of hard to keep up with sometimes. But yeah, we're bringing in a couple linebackers through the portal. We, we're bringing in an edge guy from the portal. So there, there's a lot of turnover every year, especially with Michigan State, compared to a lot of other schools too. But, uh, yeah, pretty exciting group.
2: Who, who would be the one who you'd say for people to really watch out for, then? if, if there's going to be the new Kenneth Walker type who's just going to break out and really, really do the business there?
1: Um, you know, like on the team in general, right. It's, if you don't know the name, Jaden Reed, like I said, at wide receiver, that's going to be the guy for 2022, but, you know, looking forward as far as some of the younger guys on the roster who, who people might not know as much about, um, that's, that's tough. There, there there's a lot of these guys that I really like, um, at safety, Jaden Mangum is, I think, everything you look for in a single high free safety. Uh, probably not going to be starting this year because we have three returning safeties with a lot of experience. But 2023 and beyond, especially uh, Jaden Mangum, could be an absolute stud.
2: Um. So. How do you reckon they're going to do next? I know it's very early, but do you, yeah, yeah. Them, do you expect them to keep up the progression that they've shown this year?
1: Yeah, Scott and I were just talking on the podcast this week about you know expectations. You come off a 10-win season, uh, and and a lot of people now set that bar, right? And I don't think we're quite ready to be a consistent 10-win program. But I, I do think that the roster is in a good enough spot. And the big Ten, I think is is a little bit vulnerable right now. Ohio State up at the top is that is what it is, right? They're gonna be a national championship contender every year. They're gonna be tough to beat. But you look around the rest of the Big Ten East, we just talked about Michigan and Penn State, how much they are losing. Um, and then the bottom of the east is it's beatable every year when I mean, Maryland Rutgers, Indiana, it's it's you know not exactly murderer's row so i I think you're gonna expect us to be an eight to nine win team uh competing for probably the second or third place in the big ten east i you know we're not ready to compete with ohio state we showed that on the field last year but uh you know anybody else in the conference i think we can square up with you know any given week i know we play wisconsin this year so that's going to be a tough matchup with you know one of the top teams in the West, but you know I think we're we got a pretty good season ahead of us.
0: Where'd you play the Wolverines at this year?
1: That's going to be at Michigan, but you know that place is uh, it's not the most intimidating of stadiums. It's really big, but it's really quiet because the the way that that place is built, it's 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 a bowl that's dug into the ground. But uh, a lot of stadiums, they kind of go up, and that sound really gets, you know, capped uh, in. And in Michigan, it's built out. And so it's, it's actually pretty quiet for a 100,000-person stadium. And, and we've won there quite a bit the last few years, so we're not too scared to head into the big house.
2: Yeah, our, um, our, our podcast, our main guy here, Matt, he went there last year when they played Ohio State, and they trounced them. And, and yeah. was something to behold there. I guess they would be pretty loud that day. It's been a long time since they've really tanked Ohio State like that. That that had to
1: be an awesome game to be at. I, that was one that was, just as a, a neutral college football fan watching on TV was pretty cool. Um, being at that stadium that day would be awesome. Mm, definitely.
2: Um, I don't know how much you've had a chance to look at the recruitment classes, but Is there anyone at Michigan State you're looking forward to seeing next year, be it Transfer or you know, new guy coming
3: up. I think Jalen Berger was a good addition. I think if I look rightly, I think one time was twenty four seven. Did him it was like a three star recruit. I think he, he was, was a- he was
1: a four star kid. He was a top top one fifty or so player. And yeah. and as a freshman at Wisconsin, he got on the field right away too. So I think he was sees the field straight
3: away. Like I say looks like a guy that will start very well. He's got a good pedigree to him. Stealing him from a rival. Like I said, there's only one reason he can't get in the field right now and that's because Wisconsin, in my opinion, have the best back in the conference in Braylon Allen. I think he is going to be dominant this year. Like I said, I think Wisconsin should have a bounce back here under a guy that's been grained in now. So I think Berg is a good pickup. I think he'll pick up the slack of where Kenneth Walker left off. And I agree, Jaden Reed as well, he'll have, a, he'll have a really good year. He'll be able to Assume that go-to guy that Thorne is going to build a relationship with and feel comfortable looking for down the field. I like, saying expecting expect him to get open quite a lot. So I have the under-over, I'd say, about eight and a half wins. I think that would be fair. Like I say eight, nine wins, I think, would be a good return this year because you've lost a lot of production. So I still think nine win a year would be good with a Michigan win.
2: I think, if I remember right, then listening to your pod, it's... The offensive line depth I think is that where you say you do have maybe a few issues there it's just it's the depth outside the starters that's the issue.
1: Yeah, I mean the starters are also not exactly the the best group in the world but the depth is yeah. Offensive line has been a big problem with us for going on 6 or 7 seasons now. Basically since our college football playoff appearance in 2015 the offensive line has been a, a bit of a problem. Oh.
2: Remains to be seen what sort of goes on there. But, yeah, let's say hopefully hopefully they're able to continue building on what they do. Because, I mean, it was it was so nice last year. When we when we started doing this podcast at the start of last year, we sort of just went m- sort of meh about most Michigan teams. Not, not out of a thing, but you didn't think they were really going to do anything. And then they were going unbeaten and unbeaten. And you think, oh, my God, they meet each other. They're <laughs> unbeaten. And they ended up both having really good years. I know it ended disappointingly, but they must be happy with that year
1: oh we were through i you know we've talked about it on the podcast it's it's really last year was so fun as a fan because there weren't many expectations going into the season like vegas had our win total at four and a half so we started off five and oh i mean we we blow through that over under in, in the first five games And uh, it it was just so much fun every week because you were playing with house money. There were no expectations. Um, You know, starting this year, there's going to be expectations and it's going to be, you know, a little bit more stressful and anxiety ridden as a fan. But last year was so much fun. It it was really every single week was just, Hey, let's throw it on TV, see what happens. and, And we'll have a good time because there, there, there wasn't that kind of, fan anxiety of, well, what happens if we lose? We're like, eh, we're kind of expecting to lose this year. So it, it was just a lot of fun. It, it really was on a week-to-week basis. I, I was able to go back home and catch uh, the Nebraska game in the stadium. And uh, it was a night game. We were uh, we had a really good time at that one. It went into overtime. It was a little bit stressful, but uh, that, that was a fun one to pull out.
2: Yeah, no. Say it, it, it was good to see it, and, and hopefully say it continues going on forward, just to move through some of the others. So, obviously, on the other side of town, Michigan, their draft class, obviously they're losing a lot of people this year, but their their draft class is headlined by five-star quarterback Will Johnson. I think he's got nearly a perfect 10 rating, and 24-7 coming there from cornerback. But they've also got a few... Good four-star guys coming as well. So you've got Derek Moore, the defensive lineman; Keon Sab, the safety; Tyler Morris, the wide receiver; Darius Clemens, another wide receiver. You've got um, Zeke Berry. He is a safety. You got Jimmy Roald, a linebacker. I mean, they've got some. They've got a decent recruitment class. I think it's third best. Well, it's predicted third best in the Big Ten this year. But any of those prospects that you know a lot about, really? A because obviously, when it comes to recruits over there, it's quite fierce sort of in-state trying to get these guys there. So I guess you will come across the paths of quite a lot of them, even if they end up yeah, there,
1: elsewhere. Yeah, Will Johnson is a local kid. He's he's a stud corner. Um, He's he's one of those kids that you, you look for to probably be a first-round pick uh, a few years from now. But, uh, you know, Michigan is, is going to recruit really well every single year. They have that national brand. They have that... Uh, ability to to walk into a living room in California and Florida and Texas and have that big block M. It's just a matter for Michigan of developing the talent. And they have two new coordinators. They have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Um, Jim Harbaugh is still there, but is he really all in, you know, with with taking the the Vikings interview on national signing day? um that's going to be the biggest problem for them recruiting has never been a problem with Michigan even even back in the day like you know 10 years ago when they were really bad and they were going through Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez they were still recruiting at a high level so they're, they're, they're never really going to have a huge problem with that.
2: Now, Ryan is there anyone you're looking forward to seeing in this new class of uh, of draftees for the Wolverines I don't think there's been that many in terms of transfers and that there but some good prospects coming
3: through. Yeah, I think Zeke Berry is probably someone that's got a good chance to see some playing time as a freshman. Like I said, they're going to need a safety that'll be dependable now they're losing Dax Hill. I think he's, was, he was pretty towered highly nationally. Like I say, he was up there in his state, one of the better safeties in the class. So even for a three-star, I think he'll be someone that can work his way into a, a part job, but it'll be a, a good long-term piece of the future. Like I say, help to repair that secondary.
2: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting class for them. But obviously, they've managed to replace some of the losses there. So we'll see what happens with them. Obviously, we've got to move it on now because it's been going a while. Um, you mentioned Penn State. You mentioned their new quarterback. Let's go to their draft class. They've they've had a pretty productive, sp- well, winter as it were. They are ranked as the sixth national side in terms of the class they've got, and second in the Big Ten. And obviously, it's headlined by their new brand new five-star quarterback. Drew Allar from Medina. He's six foot five, two hundred thirty-two pounds. There, I mean, they need this guy, don't they? Really, you know. We've talked about Sean Clifford. You know, I I do like Sean Clifford. I know you really, really don't, but this potentially be someone really special for them going forward.
1: Yeah, he's you know the the buzz on him is that he's got the best arm of everybody of anybody in his recruiting class. So, you know, if if you see down the line he's going to get comparisons to like that that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like I the the buzz on him is that he's got that level of arm talent that that he can make any throw you ask him to. So, you know, it's just a matter of them developing him. I remember at Penn State uh, a day when Christian Hackenberg was a five-star prospect that can make every throw too. So, uh, you know, you never really trust the quarterback position with Penn State, but uh, he's, he's got all the talent in the world.
2: It's, it's much needed for Penn State, isn't it, Ryan, this?
1: Oh, well, I think he can beat out Sean
3: Clifford. I'm not high on Sean Clifford. I know he's had his injuries and stuff, but for me, he's not a, a scruff of the neck quarterback for this kid. Like I say, I saw like, highlights. I think like, say he's been involved in the Elite 11. Like I say, he's been one of those top, top prospects, one of the highest recruits in the nation. So for him to choose a Penn State that's not a pass-heavy offense, that tells him a lot about what he thinks of Franklin, what he thinks of the offense, what he thinks he can bring to the team. I very much expect him to see consistent playing time as a freshman. He should be a good camp battle. Like I say, Clifford should be worried about his starting job. I say I think it's a good year to grain him in as well because expectations at Penn State this year will be very low. I don't think they're gonna to expect to do that well. So maybe it's the best time to just get grain him in now.
2: No, definitely. But it does seem like they are building going forward. Just a quick shout out to Go Lions Is in the chat. He says, Hey, how's it going? How's it going man? Hope you're doing well. Thank you for joining us as always. Um Obviously, he's not the only five-star recruit they've got. Their running back room, they've re-transformed as well. So they've got Nick Singleton, who's the five-star running back out of Governor Mifflin, I think that says. It's from Reading. And then you've got Catron uh, Allen. He's a four-star running back out of IMG Academy. Um, other four-stars, they've got Caden Saunders. You've got Jerry, um, who's a wide receiver. You've got Jerry Cross, tight end. You've got Zane Durant. Defensive line, you've got JB Nielsen who's an offensive tackle, and then you've got some, you've got another five star guy who's not declared yet, but he's got his letter of intent. You've got Danny Dennis Sutton, the defensive lineman, five star rated. He's about 0.99, just about as good as you can get. And they've got a few more guys there as well, but is there anyone else you're looking forward to seeing there, maybe Kevin? Maybe not against you guys, but just in terms <laughs> of uh, how they're going to be as a football player. It looks like they've done well at quarterback and running back this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the uh, you know we talk about like these freak athletes they pull in every year. This Danny De- Dennis Sutton uh, defensive lineman seems like he's going to be one of those guys that we look at uh, going into the draft. That you know he's he's two hundred sixty pounds, but he has a thirty eight inch vertical. You know, it's it's just they they do this every year. I don't know where they get these kids, but uh, you know he seems like another one that could be in that group.
2: Ryan, anyone else you're looking forward to seeing from the the Penn State group coming up?
3: Oh, that pair of running backs, I think, is going to be able to give a good juice to that uh, offence. Like I say, anyone that knows high school football knows Florida, knows IMG. They run the Florida scene. They're one of the biggest high schools in producing top talent. So any five-star from them is usually good and great at the next level. So I think he'll be someone that'll take over those back dewers and, let's say, could have a supremely young offence like i said they're gonna have some proper juice to work with this year
2: yeah agreed they've 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 done a good job and uh you know they're gonna have plenty of talent to recycle going forward um right once you move on with the big one so you've got ohio state in there as well they've got the top ranked recruitment class of the big Ten, fourth nationally you know they're always going to bring in guys there but they're five stars they got cj hicks the linebacker sonny styles the safety at four star you've got a new quarterback there god knows why they need a new quarterback devin brown he's not going to see much. you've got kenyatta jackson the edge amari airball the edge caleb brown wide receiver kylan gray's wide receiver obviously they need to reload up on that wide receiver room there gabe powers the linebacker tegra shabola the offensive tackle I mean, God, this list just goes on and on and on for four-star guys. They've got there. They've also transferred in Tana McAllister as well, who's a four-star corner, and DeMonte Treyenham, who's the linebacker. He's also a four-star guy. Um, it's it's not fair, really, is it, Kevin, the amount of talent they bring in. But, again, is there anyone who you're looking forward to seeing, though not when you play them on game day?
1: Right. You know, the, the thing with... Ohio State as as a, a Big Ten fan, I guess, is that we always hope that they represent. You know, once we get to the playoffs, it's like, all right, go Ohio State because you know we want them to to face up against the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and show that you know the Big Ten is you know has some serious talent and has some serious guys. But um, no, it's it's every year they're pulling in these kids. They're they're pulling in multiple five stars. They're pulling in multiple top 50, you know, players at, at, at single positions, right? Like I think it was last year they had, you know, like three of the top five wide receivers in the whole class. It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, You know, one guy that that I got to watch a little bit was Sonny styles out of Pickerington. He he's uh, it's, it's a pretty big school down there and and Michigan state has gotten a bunch of kids from Pickerington before uh, out of that high school and, uh, you know, he's going to be that next first-round defensive back out of Ohio State, so.
2: <laughs> Ryan.
1: Well, they stole my running back.
3: They took Arizona State's to chip training. They volunteered to him to play a linebacker. He's going back to his old position from high school. I'm very upset. Like I say, he was the future of our run game and decided that the bright lights of Ohio were too big for him, so. It's going to be interesting to see how he does going back to defensive side of balls because he's a four-star recruit. So, to change position after a freshman year, it's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know your running back room's been decimated this off-season. Obviously, Rashard White's gone to the draft. Everyone else just vanished. Painful time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, that's sort of the big teams in there. I'll sort of throw it out there now because I know we've been going... Some time, but in terms of recruitment classes, there anyone who stands out for anybody when it comes to the other sides in there? I mean, Kevin, I know you keep a close eye on it. Is there anything that surprised you? Any players that are coming you're looking forward to seeing on the other sides?
1: Um, specifically players, I guess not really. Um, the, the one thing that's kind of funny if you look at the Big Ten is the split between the Big Ten East teams and the Big Ten West teams uh, in recruiting as a whole um which is always pretty entertaining to look at but um no I mean it's it's always it's always surprising every year the amount of talent that some teams pull in Indiana pulled in like a sneaky good class um so I'm interested to see if if they actually kind of turn that in but yeah it was a top 25 class after a two-win season so I don't know what Indiana's doing down there but
2: Ryan um In terms of the rest of the Big Ten, any teams we've not gone through, is there anything that sort of caught your eye over these new recruitment classes?
3: The one I'll be watching is a quarterback at Wisconsin, because Graham Graham Mertz is terrible. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the whole conference. So it's going to be interesting to see if any of those recruits or if they pick up anyone the remainder of the portal is able to come in and take over there, because he kills that offense stone dead in the water for me. I've seen him too many times like, say that he thinks he's the guy, he's not the guy. And they've got the the best Russian offence. One of the best Russian offences neither a quarterback to compliment it. So if they've got any of these two, three, four-star recruits, someone's going to give a good camp battle because someone needs to beat him out because he just hurts them week in, week out.
2: Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Kevin, I guess... The overall quarterback play in the Big Ten isn't isn't the best of what it's ever been at this moment in time, especially like you say amongst some of those West sides as well.
1: <coughs> yeah, and you know it's it's a conference that has never gotten the the elite elite of the talent at quarterback around the country, but um, no, it's it's been in a pretty rough spot. Eh? Ohio State's in good shape with CJ Stroud. Uh, I feel pretty good about where Michigan State's at with Peyton Thorne, but. It's it's in a tough spot, uh, generally speaking. But no, it's it's only way uh, to go from here is up. But uh, no, I I actually got to run here, guys. I really appreciate oh, yeah. you guys having me on. Uh, but sure. no, it's it's been a blast. I love talking football. I, I could talk all year long, but. Uh, no, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I do love the podcast. I love having some representation out here in in, in Europe. So yeah, uh, ap- I appreciate it. Is
2: that it that it has gone so long? We get chatting, and then before you know, yeah. it just goes anywhere. But, hey, we um, do the same
1: thing on on our show quite a bit. So oh right, well, it thanks happens, ever so you know. much
2: for coming on. We do really appreciate. It. If you want to quickly plug the podcast again before you go
1: please feel free Yeah, if, if there's anybody out there who is like i said kind of a, a a college sports free agent uh michigan state it would be happy to have you where we've got a great team and uh, a pretty exciting program with a new head coach so if if anybody is looking for uh for a team to root for michigan state's the place to go uh but yeah it's the standing room spartans podcast we talk michigan state football uh, the entire season. So, yeah, uh, the entire year, I should say. So, if you're looking for uh, a team, uh, head over to Michigan State. And if you're looking for uh, a podcast, yeah, Michigan State uh, football all year long, Standing Room Spartans.
2: Well, you're always welcome back here anytime you want. So, you know, if anything goes off for of the Spartans, you know, just, just, just <laughs> give, us a, give us a hit up and, and we'll have you straight back on. But you take right. it easy. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thanks, All right. Thanks, guys. So take online. care. Yeah. <laughs> realised how long we've been going but I didn't think the chat would take that so long but uh, you know, it is what it is we love to chat and that's what we do so you know, we're kind of going to round this out now anyhow, See we've been through the main recruitment classes there, I guess we'll just end it off, I mean as it stands at the minute, what, what do you think is going to be the landscape of the Big Ten next year, do you expect it to be sort of similar this year, obviously Ohio State, Michigan maybe up there Michigan State, Penn State behind or can anyone make a run from what you've seen, do you, do you reckon there's gonna be any change as it stands? Obviously, there's still a lot to happen, but initial thoughts.
3: See, I feel like Penn State have the recruits now to make a really strong run. If they let the uh, if they let the kids have their way and let them try and run the offense like Ohio State have done, they're just given the keys to the young man. I think Drew Aller could take that offense by the scruff of the neck, and he could put a spark like by working it, and it'd go off. It's if he can, James Franklin, I'll let him. Sean Clifford is not the guy there. So I feel like Penn State, nine, ten wins if everything clicks with that, that five-star quarterback running back duo. On the other side, you say you've got got Wisconsin, you've got Minnesota. That's going to be another mess again because their sides that are just not great. Like I say, uh, really struggled. I expect that whole half to be another chaotic mess and no one's going to really stand out again. But Ohio State,
2: they're gonna win it all, they? Probably. Do you reckon six six win six wins wins the West again like it did last year? Was it the West that was six wins? There were three of them, weren't there? Yeah. Do you see? Do you foresee that again? Six wins and you win it.
3: Uh, I think I think Wisconsin will be better this year. Now they've got that back in and Braille and Allen. Let's say they're led by a strong wrong game. If they can bring back a better, stronger defense, I think they should have enough to win that West. Because Minnesota are so depleted. And Tanner Morgan, he's just a really frustrating quarterback to watch.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm in agreement with you, though. I, I look forward to seeing Penn State, especially now they've well, not fixed the quarterback room or the running back room, but they've got the talent in there to overhaul it. If they can really start running the ball well, if they've got a guy who can throw it properly and they keep that defense at a high level, then you know I think they can be challenging. In two three years they could be a pretty decent side if they keep recruiting the way that they have done but i agree it maybe it might stay a bit of the same next year where some teams are going to get better but the Rutgers, the illinois and that they're they're going to carry on struggling yeah, yeah. they're just cannon not bother
3: they're pitch food
2: <laughs> they're going to struggle forever and a day so yeah that's pretty much it for the recruitment classes thank you this has been a a very long show well mind you it usually is with us we like to chat the uh, chat the night away about college football but hopefully you've got a little bit more of a sense about what's going on in the Big 10 in terms of the prospects who are coming forward and uh yeah we're going to c- we're going to hear a lot of names called very early come uh, come the end of April from the Big 10 a lot of talent that's going to do really well I think in the NFL going forward um is there anything else you want to finish off with in terms of this before we uh, before we go and have a well-earned rest no.
3: I'll just add, though, that uh, for anyone that's not seen Michigan Panthers, they took a native Michigan quarterback first in the USFL, oh. number one. Shea Patterson. Oh, God, no. I don't know why. He's not very good.
2: No, I know. It's like, and then you've got Teamu going next and you're like, well, why wouldn't you go Tiamo? Teyamu's pretty decent. Exactly. And, oh, I don't know. He, well, obviously, you're going to be watching the USFL there, um, but... Um, it it could be interesting. Let's put it that way.
3: Oh yeah, half of these first round quarterbacks I've never even heard of.
2: No, I it was good because I was watching um, a sports channel on YouTube while it was happening. So I couldn't, I didn't know where I could find the draft. And this guy had like, I don't know, he must be like some kind of super college nerd or something because he had notes on most of these guys. He's like, oh, he played here. I'm like, bloody hell! I mean, that must that must take a lot to know. But I, I did learn a bit about some of them, but a lot of them are just like failed college quarterbacks from ages ago. You know, it's just oh my god, this going to be a this is going to be a bit there. But I mean, you had like, was it Paxton Lynch went last? Was it? He's like a former first-round pick or something, isn't he? In the in the NFL. Is he yeah, I think pick? he went like
3: at the start of the second round, and he was a second rounder in the NFL. Like you say, he's very experienced. He, he's not even a starter. Not even taken in the first round, I don't think.
2: But that's the thing. That's going to be a genuine QB battle, isn't it? It's got to be. You're not just going to start Shea Patterson over Paxton Lynch. I, I, I would I totally say, hope not. No. Uh, I remember Shea Patterson a little bit from his Wolverines days. and you know, I Obviously, I think they just went with the hometown guy who they knew better. I don't know. It, it's going to be fun. Watching them with Jeff Fisher is going to be a thing. Um, Chrome's in the chat. He says, what up What up to you? Thank you for joining us As always. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the show even though it's been quite long. Uh, Depth fan man says I enjoyed this one the Spartan was better than imagined you know Kevin is pretty decent you know you listen to his podcast he's very fair he's not a homer who just says everything Michigan's great he's he's very he's very very critical at the same time he's been a very loyal fan so yeah it was really good to have him on there and oh and he also talks about the quarterback battle there Shea Patterson versus Paxton Lynch with coach Jeff Fisher it's a kind of wild QB battle for the Panthers. I agree. I don't think there's a starter there. I think it's going to be very fun. Uh, it's going be a very fun thing to watch. Um, so yeah, USFL, we'll keep an eye on it. I know Ryan's keeping an eye on it, so we'll keep you updated on the podcast, because we will need things to chat about during the spring when the draft has gone, and we've exhausted all our draft content, and we get to have a little break. So that's going to be fun. When does it start again?
3: First game scheduled for, like, the second week in April. It's something like the 14th a of April. It's should to kick off.
2: Yeah, so yeah. we've got a little while before it comes along yet, but it'll give us some fun content to keep us going after the draft is done. Um, just remains for me to go through our next shows. So for the main Roar of the Lions podcast, uh, you'll be looking Monday, the 28th of February, this Monday coming. We're going to be going through our second part of free agency we're going to be looking at the defense, we took a look at the offense um, week just gone, had a lot of very fun and varied uh, discussions on there, I'm sure it will be no different when it comes to the defense especially as uh, there's a lot of work needs doing on the defense and a lot of different ideas on how to fix it all and then we'll be back with the college podcast on the 2nd of March next week, can't believe it's already going into March, Um, I've put to be decided with that because I mean, I guess we're gonna do draft stuff now in, in weeks to go, I guess. I mean all the uh, all the ball games are over now. It'll be combine week, so we can do something on the combine, but um yeah, if if any of you listening have anything you want us to do in regards to the draft scout, players, position groups, anything, send it to us because that's the sort of stuff we'll be doing now. I don't know if there's anything is there anything you wanna put in there? Um I don't know. It's coming kind of close to the draft. It's it's just gonna be draft chatter really, isn't it? It
3: is, yeah. Can't think about a specific right now. Yeah, so that's hopefully, ho-
2: really. yeah, so hopefully, lots of you join us, ask us lots of your draft questions, and give us some stuff to chat about, because we'll be able to make something out of it. So that's us next Wednesday, second of March, and also keep an eye out over the weekends between now and the draft. I have started my college tape reviews. I know Ryan's, <coughs> do- I know Ryan's doing some as well. What we're gonna do. We're either going to do some live streams on YouTube, or we're going to put up some premieres. We're going to go through the footage and do some scout reports for you over certain players. My first one, hopefully, is going to be this weekend on the Sunday. We're going to do George Karlaftis, one of my favourite draft crushers. We're going to take a look at one of his freshman games and one of his senior year games, see how his game has evolved, what he brings to a team who is going to draft him. But we're going to be doing a lot of that coming up on the weekends, but no firm dates, just keeping out and if there's a player you want us to scout, we'll do it for you because we're raiding caddies for footage as we go we can get the all 22 for just about pretty much any player, so let us know who you want there Um, so, like I say, just remains for me to go through our socials Uh, you can find us all over the internet, so obviously on YouTube if you're already there, Roar of the Lions UK Twitch, ROTL underscore UK sorry if you guys in there have not been able I've not been able to chat with you this evening, but I've just been that busy trying to make sure the technicals go well on here. I've not been able to keep an eye on everything so I didn't want my computer to crash, but if you've been in there, I really appreciate it. And we really appreciate all you guys on YouTube as well. As I said at the start of the show, um, we hit over 800 plays last week. Oh, this week, just gone. Um, we've never hit over 550 before. You know, we are thoroughly overwhelmed by all the attention that you're giving us and hopefully you like what we do and it just makes it all the more worth it as we do all this. Uh, finishing off the socials, we got a Facebook page, Roar the Lions UK, our Facebook group, Detroit Lions Fans UK, One Pride Worldwide twitter you can find us at ROTL_UK. underscore uk we've just passed 1,900 followers if you don't know if you know anyone who doesn't follow us yet get them to do so we're trying to push to 2000 we're trying to push ourselves up the rankings of uk podcasts for fans we want to be one of the big ones on there on instagram you find us at ROTL_UK, underscore uk and on the web you'll find us at www.roarofthelionsuk.com a lot of articles you are going to find on there. Ash's one is still up about picking Kyle Hamilton at pick two, which is absolutely the right thing to do. And Matthew is about to release one, suggesting that it may be the best thing for the Lions to cut Jared Goff over the summer or possibly trade him away. That is going to make some good viewing there. And I know me and Ryan are going to put a lot of draft content up, so do keep an eye on the show there. Just remains for me, though, to thank Ryan as always, for this mammoth show here and giving up the time to do this. And until next time, until the Monday, we shall see you then. So until then, one pride.
0: One pride.